No redemption for Red Dead. And Call of Duty becomes the first game series to release the same trilogy twice. Well, hello and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as always, is one Mistifer. Mistifer. <laughs> Mistifer. That's a new name for me. One Mistifer Chris. <laughs> Mistifer Figs. Hello. Hey, Mistifer. How are How you, you doing? doing? I can't I'm here. Bradifer. I, actually, Brettford is like, you, you know how sometimes people try and like add on to your name? Because you, like, you have Chris that you go by, and then your yeah. real name's Christopher. Right. So sometimes, you know, my wife gets mad at me. She tries to add on to my name to have some, mm-hmm. you know, extra kick. Uh, we did the same like thing the with my dog. We did Vash uh, as his name, because Vash is yeah. Stampede. But every now and then, whenever he's being bad, we'll say Vashua. Vashua. Okay. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. I only yeah, do so, that with one of my dogs. With Fen, I just call him Fenway. That's just kind of obvious. You know. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy enough, huh? Yes. Um, well, yeah, Brettford is probably my go-to. I think that one sounds sophisticated. Unlike yeah. me when I said mm-hmm. Mistifer. But, you know, you, yeah, you walk through life, you run through life, you just, uh, sometimes you trip and you fall and you stay down. <laughs> you just yeah, lay there. Mistifer sounded like a mistake. Brettford seems like a name. That's true. Even like, though which, I mean, Mistifer, Mistifer does kind of sound like a, a high fantasy villain. Yeah, I could see that. Like they call him Mist for short, like a high elf. Who's yeah, just like yeah. a secret. It's assassin. a drow elf. That's what it is. Okay, I like that. See, my thing with Bretford is it sounds like the villain of the eighth Richie Rich movie that went straight to DVD. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's true. I, I, I seem like. When they when they get tired of making Mission Impossible, but they just have to keep doing it, I'll just become the new foreign bad guy, you know? Yeah, exactly. Man, do you, does Mission Impossible do well out of America, even though it almost exclusively shits on foreign people in terms of viewing them as villainous stereotypes? But if I'm not mistaken, it's nondescript foreign people, so it's okay. That is true. Nobody was insulted in the making of this movie. Yeah, as long as it's nondescript and vague, you can just say whatever you want. Right. That's what happened with, yeah. um, oh, what's the movie? Red, uh, Red Dawn? Is that it? Oh. The remake? Where yeah. Where at one point it was, where I they, think it was North Korea, it was China, and they changed it to some other one. Yeah, yeah. they refused to have it be China, so it yeah. could release in China and make money. Yeah. I mean, we see how that impacts things because uh, what was it? Was it the Flash that wasn't able to release in China? And so it had, yeah. like, got like way more uh, or way less of a box office return than it would have. Yeah, exactly. And Happens. they really fought to make sure that they could get Blue Beetle to release in China. <laughs> yeah, they better. I don't know, man. That's not my bag. But hey, if you're new to the show, uh, first and foremost, welcome. This is Triangle Square to PlayStation podcast where Chris and I and sometimes some guests uh, will talk about the gaming industry through the uh, lens of being fans of gaming, first and foremost, but specifically fans who uh, choose to primarily play on PlayStation. So Chris and I both have uh, PCs, Xboxes. I guess Chris actually doesn't have an Xbox anymore. Did you, I you, still you forfeited it. it to your girlfriend? But I gave it to my girlfriend, yeah. <laughs> 
It's like collateral. So we have a little bit of everything, uh, and we like to talk about what everyone's doing and what we think is the good and the bad <clears> of what everyone's doing. So we hope that you stick around and enjoy the show. There's not a whole lot going on in the news this week, so we thought it would be fun, and you guys answered by just giving us tons of questions. So we're going to have a good time answering your burning questions today. Uh, but we are going to talk about a little bit happening in the gaming world. So some information on the uh, Red Dead Redemption remaster rumor coming to fruition, not exactly as everybody wanted. Uh Apex Legends has a new season coming out as they tend to uh, one of the pseudo sequels or pseudo um, exclusives rather pseudo console exclusives for PlayStation is uh, going gold and we got Modern Warfare 3 again. But before we get into talking about all that, uh, we're going to start the show off in a time-honored tradition like we always do, where we check in with each other and see what we've been playing to give you guys a uh, chance to hear about what we've been playing and maybe get something new on your radar, as well as maybe put something new on each other's radar. So, Chris, I'm going to go ahead and spoil mine and get mine out of the way this week instead of coming in after you. I have... (laughs) If I've played a game this week, it was Remnant 2 and it was with you both times. <laughs> and also, shout out to our patron, <laughs> yeah. a one-armed wolf, because he was also in there with us. So, Solid uh, session. Great game. Still having a good time starting off. Um, I guess we've been bouncing around because everybody's first, first worlds are so cool that we yeah. keep never finishing one and just <laughs> bouncing off to another. So we bounced off of the one that Chris and I had started where there were these like spires and this like very sci-fi driven thing that we said kind of felt like you're playing Returnal. And then uh, while I was waiting for Chris, I ran around my opening world and it was basically Bloodborne. So he hopped into mine and we got through there. Um and then whenever Dennis hopped in with us, he, uh, I think we, did we go to your world? We Who's went to my we world to? because I started and a new character because he was character. running the character I And had I don't know running. what yours was. It felt I was like a medic. Dark Souls, I guess. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, uh, yeah, I could see that. I could see that. It was, it was like cool. Dark Souls meets Hogwarts in terms of the way it was set up. I don't mm-hmm. want to ruin the mechanics because I really I like that mechanic quite a bit. Uh, but one of the, the the thing with the doors for that world was very cool. Yes, that was really neat. Yeah, I enjoyed so. that a lot. I do like, right, but the floor is yours, so you can say whatever you want to now, Chris. <laughs> oh, whatever I want to um, about Remnant or whatever else. Well, in terms of Remnant, I really enjoyed. I think I think, and I leaned into it more than you guys did. Where we just started naming the enemies, I had a lot of fun. Oh with yeah, that. that was fun. We, <laughs> my favorite, <laughs> librarians was the best one that we came up with. I think. Yeah, librarians was easily because they were throwing books or it looked like books. I think they were square rocks, which is kind of I don't weird know. Design. But I like to think that it was like Summoner <laughs> Monk from Yu Gi Oh just throwing the books that he has out. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah. So I've also <laughs> been playing Remnant too. Uh, I really like it. It's fun. We've been having a good time. But uh, Baldur's Gate 3 came out. So <laughs> I've only been playing that uh, pretty much. That and like Marvel Snap and I need a break. Um, and it's, yeah, it's fantastic. You should be very excited for this. I think it's, it's I think even with a controller, especially because um, the way I'm playing on PC, it's a CRPG doing a lot of clicking and. Um, all that stuff, but on on console, it's an over the shoulder game. So, yeah, sure. Um, I think you can kind of get into it no matter what. But I don't. It's just so fun, dude. I've and I, I think I said it in the Discord. But um, my first day, I finished one quest, 
I lost a battle that I've been fighting for about three hours. I made no tangible progress at all. Um, didn't move the story forward one bit. Played for about 10 hours. F- fantastic time. I have not had this much fun in a long time with a video game. Nice. <sighs> yeah. it's Man, it's great. Exceeded my expectations. I'm still in that spot where I just don't know what to play right now. And so the easy answer is Remnant because you get great gameplay, interesting worlds, and a social aspects Mm -hmm. all coming together so i'm having a good time with that uh but i think i've just been doing that thing where i only have so much time and i've been putting so much time into Yu-Gi-Oh and making the Yu-Gi-Oh content and watching the Yu-Gi-Oh show and uh, (laughs) spending a little more time with my wife still doing some of the remodel work so my time has just been elsewhere is the best way to say it and so when i'm making time for gaming lately it's more of a okay i'm gonna make time to play with people and play a game i've been wanting to play all year so I think whenever those two things comes together, it kind of works. But, you know, used to I'd play every day on lunch. Now I come home on lunch and watch an episode or two of Yu-Gi-Oh! and eat and then <laughs> go back to work. <laughs> it's, so it's it's different. I'm just not I'm not making and carving out the time. And a large part of that is because I'm s- still just uncertain on nothing is pulling me enough to be like, yes, I got to play now other than co-op things. But I don't want to play the co-op game by myself. Like, I don't want to play Remnant 2 by myself. I want to play that with you guys. Yeah. And that might be exclusive to me, but I really personally want to play that game when I have other people playing it. It's going to be a slow burn, but I like to think that maybe that'll make this already incredibly valued $50 game last that much longer for me. Yeah, you know, no, I, I understand. Even that. better value. Yeah, I've gone through my paces with it where even um, like luckily I have Baldur's Gate 3, which I've been excited for and is living up to my expectations, but even when I do turn on my PS4, I'm like I don't I don't know like I, I tried playing Resident Evil 4 remake last night because um, I got a new sound sounds Jesus that was a weird way to say that word I got a new system uh, it has Dolby Atmos and like all the fun bells and whistles so I wanted to play something on my TV and I just I don't know I wasn't feeling it I just uh, want to go back to the worlds of Baldur's Gate so which, September can't come close enough because then it's a social experience and the game. But I talked to you like I very much I think I need to stop playing it. Like I think I need to, but I don't want to. But I feel like it's going to hurt the experience that the the four of us have. And that's a little ner- I'm a little nervous about that. Now, do you think that's going to happen just because you'll try and push us toward the answers? I'll either, things, I'll either or, do that or it's going to be one of those things. You'll let us fumble while you already know the answer and exactly. it's not as fun for you. Like I'm just not even not as fun, but I'm kind of checked out during some sections because I'm like, well, I don't want to spoil this. So I'm not going to give my opinion because I can either do one of two things at that point. I can be honest and then you guys might know the answer or I can lie and then you guys take what I said and it's just not the answer. And then we get into this big fight and wipe or something like that. So, well, the beauty of the game to some degree should be that the most fun aspects are things that as a group, we may choose to handle in a different way than you choose to do on an individual nature. So, you know, I think that those games, because they're trying to be this D and D in a video game kind of package, I think what ends up making them work and makes them special is that 
when you play, you have uh, what they actually have a word for this too. Uh, what is it? Emergent gameplay, yeah. where it's not gameplay that's planned. It's not like they went in and specifically were like, yes, we're going to design this and every player will interact with it. And yeah, they may interpret it different ways, but everyone's going to interact with the same thing. And instead, this game's like, everybody can interact with everything. And then just the choosing and how you choose to do it, you can find a hyena that has a demon baby inside of it. And if you're a holy man, like a paladin, you can try and bless the baby to get rid of the demon or something. You know what I mean? It's like, what do you want to do? <laughs> Have you... That happens. <laughs> like, literally word for word, what you just said happens to me. No way. A, a, a demon burst out of a hyena in my path the other day. It was a null, technically, not a demon. But literally, word for word, <laughs> what you said happens in Baldur's Gate 3 at one point. <laughs> There's no way it's word for word. Yes, a dead high. I came. Okay, so I'm playing and I'm walking over this bridge where some some battle had happened, and there's dead hyenas because hyenas are in the world, and sure. out out from from inside of one. There's a cutscene and everything. A null crawls its way out of the hyena body, and I get into a fight with it. That, that was fucking eerie, dude. You know what's weird? <laughs> that was is all weird. I was doing was recounting what happened in one of the campaigns I did like two years ago with some buddies. <laughs> we were out in a field and we came across some hyenas as we were going crossing into yeah. like a savannah-like environment. <laughs> and we came across hyenas and he said that you notice a weird lump on the on one of the hyenas' stomachs. And we were like, okay. So we were asking if the hyena's pregnant and trying to do perceptive, perception rolls and everything. Yeah. And then I – and I've already told you I was going to probably be a paladin uh-huh. because it, I either like being a holy – you know, a big holy man who's, you know, of the church kind of set up um, or I was going to be evil. And I think the funny thing, the whole point there is that once I found out that it was a demon, it wasn't a knoll, but it was a demon. And I was like, okay, so I want to see if we can purge, uh, purge the demon by blessing and uh-huh. getting rid of this. Uh, and because we did so, we didn't, we didn't end up having to fight the hyenas because the hyena like thanked us basically for, <laughs> for saving its baby. That's crazy. It was like, I, it was I like a possessed baby within. But... Yeah. It's, yeah. I, my big. Honestly, my biggest concern is of stuff that happened last night, right? Where I had something that I did by accident that was genuinely like the result of what I, because I misclicked. I was trying to do one thing and I did something totally different, which was the opposite of what I wanted to do. But it was the funniest result I could have possibly dropped up in my life. And well, that's kind of the dream of the game, right? Yeah, is that the word whatever it, whatever you can think up there the mechanics are there for it to kind of work yeah my worry <laughs> is that i go i want you guys to see this specific thing happen because i loved it so i direct you there but then if we're doing a like what i did was the evil decision by again by accident so if we're playing a good playthrough and i'm like no it's way funnier if you do this or if i'm like Let's 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 do a quick save and then try both of them. You know what I mean? It spoils that something's going to happen, but you wouldn't see something that had me genuinely cackling to myself last night. You know what I mean? 
and that's the one thing I'm scared of is ruining those kind of experiences for you with stuff like that, which is why I think I might just stop playing. Like I might go through act one and then try different classes, but that's might be the extent I do on PC. Okay. Well, fair enough. I'm excited to get into it and play, but that's because I have not, I've not played much of divinity original sin one or two. Like I've played Mm -hmm. them, but not enough to really know. So you keep selling me this dream of a D and D in a game. And I definitely see that in its DNA when you, when they've shown gameplay and stuff, Yeah. but I want to know to what end is that truly there? So, I, I kind of worry that in my mind I'm hyping it up to really be that almost anything can happen within some amount of reason, but that's not really reasonable because every outcome has to be programmed. Right. More or less. So it's yeah. like there has to be a limitation on the amount of variation. But the, uh, the good thing about it is, though, there is, <clears throat> because it's off 5e, the rules of 5e still apply to the world, right? So, like, I sent sure. you that that video of uh, Matt Mercer playing with Sven, and he the, just... Was it the one where he jumps over the wall? Yeah, where he piles up all the boxes and then uses an yeah. arrow of teleportation to get across. Yeah, and, yeah. like, that's the kind of stuff. Like, you know, the story's going to play out how the story plays out, but it's how we get to parts of the world. Like, there's something... I won't spoil what it was, but I couldn't beat a fight. It was a fight from I was talking about for my first day. I couldn't beat a fight, and I realized that if I if I crouched and hid, and I used the spell I had, which was um, a gust of wind, I could stealthily kill the boss, and no one would notice. And that was that's the kind of stuff that's really fun. Yeah, I kind of like that because it's like here you are, and here's what you know you have to get done. Now you just have a, a, a very wide multitude of ways in which you can make that happen. Yeah. And you're, yes, you are limited technically by what the game's mechanics account for. And a lot of mechanics in that game will hopefully be designed in such an open-ended way that, like you said, you can stealth and do something that maybe the designers didn't even think of. Mm-hmm. But the, but the they when they were thinking of the mechanics they were like good this is open and kind of vague and you can do right. a lot with it and it's we're, you know you're playing against the rules of the world so yeah it, we're gonna, it's a good I time. really hope we stay consistent because it's it's going to be very fun it'll be it'll yeah. be a great platinum for all four of us. <clears throat> <laughs> the the thing I imagine it will happen, and and really what I all I want from the game while trying to keep my expectations within reason, is um, Red Dead Redemption Two. Interesting game to bring up here, but the reason Love I'm it. bringing it up is because uh, at times that game feels emergent. Yeah, and it's usually early hours because it's when you're traversing the open world and. Uh, a prisoner stumbles across you and he's got, you know, locks and, and, you know, shackles on him and he's asking you for help and you get to do these things. And the first time that feels like that came out of nowhere and I'll never see that again. And then it happens five more times in your playthrough because the game is 40 something hours and you're kind of like, all right, the magic's gone. Like it was there the first time and you're kind of okay the second time because you're like, maybe it's just the rare chance that I saw the same thing twice. But then you keep seeing the same rant. It's like whenever they were trying to do with Far Cry, they were like, well, every turn there's a new thing happening, but it's the same seven new things just cycling through and randomly being selected from a hat. And eventually I get tired of seeing a bear attack people. I just don't care. (laughs) You it's, it's emergent until you realize it's scripted emergency. And exactly. And that's fun. and that's that is the balance of all things. And I understand that. So my hope is that this game, I as long as I can understand and I do that there is a wall 
There is mm-hmm. a technological champ point where there's a light. It can't really change. Then I still can be like, okay, well, it's just how much it sells me on the illusion that there isn't a wall. How often is there a majority percentage of the time that I'm playing the game and it doesn't feel like a virtual world? In that sense, it doesn't feel like a world with with boundaries. Um, yeah. So. We'll see what ends up coming of that, but uh, I think for now, Chris, we got a we got a hefty episode in terms of all these episodes or all these questions we got asked. So I have to sew as I'm just mashing words together and coming up with portmanteaus <laughs> of them. Um, let's do. Uh, let's go ahead and go in uh, real quick. Actually, we have a question that I want to preface it by talking. All right, we can go ahead and answer the question, and I'll ask it, and then I think. Some of the answer will be influenced by what we've uh, recently experienced. So the question is from Sweet Gran Turismo Jones, and he says, are you planning to see the Gran Turismo movie, and what are your expectations given Sony's recent cross-media endeavors? Uh, So short answer, yes, I am uh, planning on seeing Gran Turismo. It is reviewing pretty well. A lot of people are saying that, yes, for what the story is, it's not the most unpredictable script. You can understand where it's going. It is based off of a true story, so you kind of know to some degree if you've looked into that story at all, like I know about Yan. Uh, you have that where I think that they talk about the directorial style and the flair and the ideas in terms of how you bring all of that to fruition is going to work well. I'm a big fan of Neil Blomkamp, and I don't know if you've seen any of his stuff. He's the one that did Halo Landfall, which was mm-hmm. his short film, which was supposed to be used for him to go into making the the long-rumored Halo movie that never came about. Um, he's the director from District 9. We were talking about this in the Discord yesterday. Good movie. And District 9's an incredible movie with a lot of stylistic flair, and I like his uh, directorial style. And You see some of that flair live in the trailer. So I think it looks good. Uh, Chris, do you have any? Are you planning on seeing it? And do you have any thoughts about it before you answer the the secondary half of the question? Um, yeah, I'm planning on seeing it. Um, I have no barrier of entry though, so yeah, it's different for you. Yeah, I can. I'm gonna go see the Meg tomorrow. I, the movie doesn't look good. Um, actually, it does. yeah, I like to so, see them. And just so dinosaurs. everyone knows, I mean, Chris works at a place where he gets, you know, he can watch movies. Yeah, I work <laughs> in your cousin's Plex ser- ser- server. <laughs> there you go. Chris is the Phantom of the Megaplex. Exactly. I like that. Be a good like modern take on it. <laughs> <laughs> so, second part then. What are your yeah. expectations? Given that you don't really have much of a barrier <clears throat> of entry. There's no reason for you to not go see it. What are your expectations for it based on all of Sony's recent cross-media endeavors? So to update, what we know we have is Uncharted movie, The Mm -hmm. Last of Us, and Twisted Metal. Those are the three that have come about since this PlayStation Productions idea has come into play. Um, So do you have anything based off of those three? Because I've only seen two of those three, but I think you've seen all three of them now. Yep, I have. So what are your expectations? Um, do you think that they've set a precedent for a certain level of quality, or do you think it's still kind of up in the air? I think they've set a precedent with TV shows that they're pretty good at it. And they've set a precedent with movies that they're pretty watchable. <laughs> uh, you know, and that's that sounds bad, but that's a good niche. Like, I, I, I think PlayStation Productions is in the Netflix niche, right? Like... PlayStation productions that come out in theaters, it'll probably make like $50 million 
and then it'll go on Netflix and be and be in the top ten of for the month because it'll be a movie people throw on with no barrier to entry like me and then it's there and I watch it. Like I watched Uncharted the other day, but I didn't watch Uncharted. I had it going in the background and like looked at it, you know, and that's, I think the kind of movies they make of very fine. You watch it, you enjoy it the first time and then you can put it on in the background. You know what, when you know what's happening, you know, when Sully is running through a Papa John's like that kind of thing. <clears throat> yeah. I'd say that th- the problem with movies is that they've had, Shows by nature of being more long form give yeah. you more to judge against. And now they've had two shows that have both come out one to very high acclaim because it was from a game of high acclaim, and one to I wouldn't say high acclaim, but the response I've seen across the board for Twisted Metal is a lot higher than I think anyone anticipated. I thought it was going to be awful. <laughs> I, me too. And, uh, you know how I went. I went from being like willing to see how they did it yeah. to the first teaser and still being like in its defense of like, well, this is trying to show something that's probably hard to show. And then that trailer came out and I still had that in the back of my head. Like this may just be a bad trailer. The one from the game awards or whatever yeah, the hell it was. It was a bad uh, summer game fest. I'm sorry. Um, and I thought, yeah, this is not doing me a lot of favors. Like, yeah, it, maybe it's like moderately funny, but it, I didn't see how it played into Twisted Metal very well. But that's because the best I can say about the show, and this goes into uh, why I'm starting to get a little more bullish on PlayStation Productions, is the show works as Twisted Metal, in my opinion, because it is an origin season it's trying to immediately drop you into characters and focus on a smaller Spoilers. batch of characters. <laughs> I mean, fine. I can edit out Chris. Can, and can you please tell me to edit out 25 minutes in? That no, I I'm said, not even saying that. I'm just saying, you know, yes and no. Sorry. Well, I didn't mean to po- point being, to stop you. I don't, I don't really think that this is wrong to say. I think the trailers show this, take a smaller batch of the characters. Mm hmm focus on them and give you reason to like them and want to root for them or root against them or whatever it be, set up something that then can go into a second season where you can show more of the the series or the IP's um, flair and what it's known for. And I think you see it here, but it's yeah. building it. And I, and I think that worked surprisingly well. And I really, at first, I was like, I'm willing. It's something different. The first couple episodes are drawing me in. They're making me question what's going to happen next. And as I've long said, I'm a big fan of not being... I, I'm never a fan of direct adaptations. I just, if I've read, if I've seen the counterpart media, I like them if I haven't. And I, and I know that that's the balance. Um, is that there are people that are wanting to see a version of that story, but then it could potentially be something that pulls you out. Uh, so with that in mind... This was a bigger pull for me, and that's why I watched it, and that's why I didn't watch The Last of Us. But I know that The Last of Us was well-made. Yeah, Like, right. no part of me knows. Like so, And I can see from people's response and reaction that there's no reason to think that The Last of Us... The only piece of information I can glean from The Last of Us is that there might be some pieces of PlayStation media I don't care to watch because it's going to be direct adaptations. And my pull to watch them is going to be taken down by the fact that I go... Should I watch a show that tells a story I've played or should I just use that time to play a game I've not experienced? And I think that the game I've not experienced is more often than not going to win in that situation. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But that's not a bad thing. That still probably means great quality stuff. We know that God of War is pretty well written most of the time. We know that Horizon's got really interesting ideas. And maybe Horizon is even better when you take the core of the story and you cut out all the fluff of a big open world and gameplay and instead you focus it down. Uh, But point being, I understand where those are going. I just still don't have as much pull to play them potentially or to watch them potentially. So Gran Turismo is interesting because... I need to look at myself and go, okay, is it hypocritical to sort of know the story of Yan uh, and want to go in and still watch this a little bit? I think no. biopics are I different. I strong disagree. What do you mean? Well, talking? that's what I was going to say. Okay, so I was immediately going to call out biopics because it's like millions of people just saw Oppenheimer. So I don't exactly. know that. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, this isn't a biopic, but it kind of is, I guess, in a way. It's, I mean, it's it is. A, no, it's it's greatly exaggerated. And yeah. that goes into, without going too far into movie talk right now, we have some questions later that we might get into a little bit more. But at work, we were talking about The Flash. And Chris, I remember even you were asking me what I thought of The Flash and that you'll catch it later because there was just too much going on. Mm. Um, and somebody was like, well, why didn't they just a- adapt The Flash? And my immediate answer was the same as for The Last of Us. And I said, I like that Flashpoint exists as a comic storyline and as a uh, animated storyline and the animated movie is excellent and I love it. And I don't really have a pull to want to see that one for one adapted into a movie. And he's like, well, they could have adapted. And I'm like, well, it's as much of an adaptation as civil war is. It's, it's using a core premise that is the series of events that sets off the thing and then changing everything within that more or less. It's like you can reference a point, but yeah, the whole point is that when you're watching it, you don't immediately know what's going to happen next. And that's exciting for me as a viewer. Some people may like, Oh, I know this part's coming that I love from this version. Now I get to see it in live action. And that's totally valid and perfectly fair. It's just not for me. Yeah. I guess my big issue with that is I don't, if you're going to name it Flashpoint, then do Flashpoint. They, well, That's they didn't. The thi- but they didn't, though. <laughs> they, they didn't name it Flashpoint. Well, that, then, it, well that, not even that specifically. I'm more just using it as an example. We'll talk about the CW show. Because they called it Flashpoint. And it very much yeah. was not Flashpoint. So, it, for me, in terms of adaptations, if you're, if you're going to name something the flash flashpoint then i expect to see batman and the joker i think that's fair that that because that that's why else why wouldn't you name something else i have the same problem with the mcu stuff i think the mcu just it was stupid to call it civil war they should make their <laughs> own name for it even fucking the battle for Sokovia is better than calling it civil war even though that's a significantly worse name because you don't have the like I go into Civil War expecting skip five seconds for spoilers. I expe- I expect Spider Man to take his mask off, right? Like I expect those big moments. You can listen again, and <laughs> but you, if you don't get that, then why are you naming it this? Because you're setting me up with false expectations, and you can tell me, well, this is the MCU Civil War, and I say, okay, cool, but there's a Civil War story. If you're gonna do it, do it. Your dogs are as big of assholes as mine are. I love it. Immediately. I, I love my dogs, but they're assholes, and they bark at everything. It's like at 930. <laughs> what are you barking at? It's Dude, my like neighbor will like, close their car door, and my dogs be like, I'm going to fuck you up. 
Exactly. I would say they have PTSD, but we've we've had them since they were puppies, and they've not gone through anything. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Um, There's no. But yeah, last, last talk on that real quick is this. I would say that while I understand, and clearly this is just where preferences come into lie, I actually don't mind Civil War's take on it. Because even if even the Flash, I think when you cross the medium, you go, yes, we're going to use the same rough setup and we're going to play with all those same things, but in a way that may not be exactly what you want. So while I don't want to give all the answers away, I don't think anyone can say that you don't know that the whole point of Flashpoint is that the Flash goes back in time to try and save his mother. That's the crux of the story, and then everything yeah. that happens differently as a result of which is what the the juice and the meat and the interesting part of it all is. Well, uh, taking it back to games. So when you, you look at that, that's... Yeah. If you take it back to games, like I don't see you replaying things often. Like For me, when I played the Mass Effect trilogy, right, mm-hmm. that was because I wanted to see that stuff. Right? Yeah, of course. And it, so course, I think yeah. it's the same way with with movies and adaptations, right? Oh yeah, no, right time, right place. I'm gonna tell you this: if if I had not replayed The Last of Us less than six months before the show came out because they re released it mm. uh, in a remake, I actually may have been like, I know, I know it, and I know I'm familiar with it, but it's been long enough, yeah. and I haven't played this since 2014. Oh, absolutely. I'm going to go ahead and hop in. And I, I think that that's the problem they have to fight is that I understand that cross media is at its best when you can release products side by side and use the hype of one to help fuel the hype of the other and kind of rising tide lifts all boats kind of situation within the IP. But the problem that you potentially run into there is for people who take the bait on one, if they don't come out same exact time, and you stagger them like you would to try and get that. Well, we're going to be hyped about The Last of Us all year long rather than in one three-month window. Yeah. And the problem you run into that is that if you bite on one, the chance of you want to do the other, depending on the type of person you are, sinks. And for me, if the show would have come first, I probably would have watched the show. And I would have probably been less motivated to play the game again. Though the game does have gameplay which helps have an extra layer of, okay, cool, something that I can interact with and is tactile and has a feel. So I'd be more likely to play the game after watching the show than I would to watch the show after playing the game, if that makes sense. They're both lesser than if if it hadn't happened that way. But I'm so excited for there to be a Twisted Metal game because there's no way in hell, or at least if they do this right, there's no way in hell it should be anything like the show. So it doesn't matter. And if they do make a game that's like the show, I swear to God, they're going in the wrong direction. Even though I, I mean, already know, I say like going the wrong direction for me. They are going, I, I say they're going to. I would not be surprised if they made a, a heavily story-driven, car-focused game that is essentially Mad Max, but in the twisted metal world of post-apocalyptic, and then they tell all the story within the car and within companions instead of the dog, it's quiet, and they tell the same story with more side quests so you can flesh everything out more. I can see it happening, and I don't even think I'd hate the game. It's just not what I want. I was about to say, that sounds better than what they're probably going to (laughs) make. Like, if you gave me Mad Max... So I think that's the difference. Yeah, but Mad Max in Twisted Metal sounds perfect. Oh, man, that don't sounds like a good game. It's, it's it's a it's less of a deviation than they could make. And then they don't even have to deviate that much because all they have to do is go, 
there's a stadium in Los Angeles, there's a stadium in Las Vegas, and then you do the you do the tournaments in there, and then you continue on doing side quests and building your car. At that yeah. point, it would just be a Far Cry game, right? But in, with in a car sense. combat. <laughs> I was gonna it. say that I was gonna say it's not a, a super crazy idea to introduce an open world where you drive between the locations. It's kind of like the crew too when you were supposed to drive across the U.S. Yeah, you could see your house in the crew too. <laughs> yeah, but I kind of like that idea of being able to like drive past the dam, drive yeah. past the blockade. You have to fight. You know, see it, it like, all on the map, and then be able to see all the extra places. Maybe you have Don't to wrong, get out. I'm not saying it's all bad. From outposts. Need for Speed, run it. <laughs> Need for Speed, the run. You remember run that it. one where you can get out of the car and run yeah. around Terrible. for very specific scenes. No, I think Mad Max is the clear, obvious mix of those two, and I I see that having some value. And I honestly think Mad Max's own version of storytelling, if you just remove it a little bit from the Mad Max world and transplant the Twisted Metal world onto it, it would be derivative, but it would honestly be pretty good. (laughs) I think most people would enjoy that game. Absolutely. I would. But what do I know? We'll see. Um, So, yeah, I think it'll be good. And I'm curious to see how this movie lands because unlike Chris, I'd say I'm of two minds. I think Twisted Metal was very good and obviously people liked The Last of Us. I think the Uncharted movie uh, was passable at best. And while that's not a terrible spot to be in, I think that it could have been so much more. And I would hope that I don't leave the theater after watching Gran Turismo going. That could have been so much more. I don't think I will because it's a different type of movie and a different setup, but time will tell. Yeah, I think they should just learn that they should just stick to making TV shows because that's what they're good at. Long-form TV. Also, did mm-hmm. you notice the uh, Breaking Bad reference in uh, Twisted Metal? Yes, I did. Yeah. Dark Hannah Bad. was like, is that Breaking Bad? I was like, yeah, Sony owns Breaking Bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, Where's the game? So, hmm? Where's the game? I need that console where's, synergy. Where's the Breaking Bad game? Yeah. Well, I say they own it. I know that they interact with it, and they're like the company behind the filming and stuff. I don't actually know who owns the rights to Breaking Bad. I mean, I know it comes on to AMC, but I don't know who owns AMC. Probably it's AMC. Sony. But I don't know enough about how that works. Um, all right, we're going to go ahead and move into the community's take. If you're unfamiliar with the community's take, uh, it is where at the end of each episode, we look back at something we talked about within the episode, or we come up with something that's gaming related that we just want to throw your way and get a chance to kind of get the community's feedback on something, either push back against something we've said, offer us a different point of view, or your way to agree with us and maybe expand on that even more. So last week's was, I'd say, inspired rather than courtesy of listeners. Robert Phillips because we took his question but then kind of added on to it. So with Final Fantasy XIV Online finally making its way to Xbox after rumors and reports that Microsoft and Square's relationship was fraught with behind-the-scenes issues, do you think this is a harbinger for things to come? Will we see more Square titles release across the console aisle? And how important has Sony and Square's more exclusive bound history played into your view of PlayStation and why you choose to buy into Sony's ecosystem? So if you want to be part of the community's take, remember to go over to social media on the social media platform formerly known as Twitter. You can find us at Triangle SQRD. You can find us in a Facebook group, Triangle Square to PlayStation podcast. Search us up. Join into there, or you can click the link in the description below, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on podcast services. Uh, if you are new to the show because you've been watching in the Yu-Gi-Oh! openings, welcome. This is what we've been doing for a whole lot longer than that. Um, but 
Join the Discord. That's where you can find Chris and I chatting it up day to day with a lot of our patrons and listeners from long periods of time. So the first answer we got in was from one of our patrons who went to patreon.com slash nartech and supported the show. And we always give patrons preferred reading just because they are big supporters of the show. And they allow us to do this show without having to worry about money and ads and all that stuff just yet. So Rude Days 93 comes in and he says, I don't think it's a coincidence. A new CEO steps in and then you have Philip on stage. Philip, I, I, I made it Philip. We were talking about elongating <laughs> the names. So <laughs> we have Phil on stage with him saying more Square games will be coming to Xbox. There had to be some sort of issues considering I highly doubt Sony would have paid for console exclusive to a game like Foam Stars. As for the future, we know Square Enix, along with Sega and other Japanese companies, were on the potential acquisition list by Microsoft. I know many say it would be hard for Microsoft to buy a Japanese company, but right now it appears they are about to pull off the biggest acquisition in entertainment history. Add in the poor results from Square's latest financial reports, and they are ripe for anyone to buy them. As for how important it is to Sony, well, just looking at it from this year's standpoint, besides Insomniac, Square Enix will have given Sony some of its biggest exclusive content. It would be a blow to their exclusive list hits. Um, there's a lot to condense there, and I know that we're going to get a lot of big answers here. So real quick, Chris, do you have anything that you kind of want to respond to within there? Um. Honestly, the only thing I would say is that I, st- I don't think an American company acquiring an American company can give you any indication of an American company acquiring a Japanese company. That's, I think, the yeah. biggest thing. I think that when he specifically says, like, oh, well, they just pulled off Activision, like, so? <laughs> That's not a Japanese company <laughs> joining with an American company, which is something historically, whether it's true or not, we've heard can't be done or is very difficult to do. I apologize. So Yeah, I would say that I am, in the truest sense of the word, I'm ignorant on the process, and I am only have any kind of information on it regarding what people have spoke about in the gaming industry, but it's usually the fan side where people are saying it's very hard to buy a Japanese company. And while I'm not saying they are lying, and I'm sure there is probably some degree of difficult to it or difficulty to it, I don't actually understand and have truly looked into what that difficulty would be and how hard of a process it would be to overcome. What I would say is that historically, we don't see a lot of Japanese companies get bought by Western companies that at least makes the news and becomes obvious. So I would say that the best I can say is there looks like there is something to support that it can't be something that's easily done. Doesn't mean it's impossible, but it's just... Like Chris said, I don't think that looking at an American company, acquiring American company, is necessarily a good indicator of what they could do in the Japanese market. Though, it may be impressive <laughs> in the space of the American market. So, uh, The next one we have here, Jehudi MD, another patron. He says, I think at the end of the day, this benefits players and allows more people to access the games. It's all about where the money is pouring in and if Sony, Microsoft, or Square Enix is profitable. They'll do what needs to be done regardless of the history of where these games were first made available. Of course, that's true. He says, the only dilemma is Final Fantasy VII Remake and what kind of contract Sony secured to keep it away from Xbox. It's up on PC, but not Xbox, which is weird considering that you still need Windows to play the game. So Microsoft still kind of has the game. Shoulder shrug. Um, 
Yeah, I would say clearly at the end of the day, money hatting is money hatting. And we've talked about Sony or we've heard story about Sony money hatting higher than Microsoft, which sounds impossible on paper because we know how big a Microsoft is. But it, it does seem to be selective of when Microsoft allows their purchasing power to be one upped. And I think what it is is Microsoft seemed more willing to money hat to buy Mm-hmm. a publisher or studio in perpetuity than they are to money hat to buy exclusivity or a period of exclusivity. And I kind of understand that process because it's like, if we're, if we're going to money hat, we're going to do it with something that we have long-term investment in exactly. rather than a short-term burst. And I think the difference is, is that Sony can't do that to the same degree that play uh, that uh, Microsoft can. And so it makes sense for them and has been successful for them for so long to money hat on an individual game basis. And oddly enough, the few times we've seen Microsoft actually do that, they have been given very negative PR because it's almost always games that don't have as much history on Xbox like Rise of the Tomb Raider. Well, I think the problem with that one specifically is that was a sequel. And... Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that Final Fantasy is the 16th one, I think you can kind of disregard that because they're all separate games. But even disregarding it's that... It's like Street Fighter V by, you know, by looking at that too because it, right. it was a console exclusive. But also the scuttlebutt around that time was that that game wouldn't have happened had Sony not basically paid for it. So, yeah. you know, you give and you take there. If you had told me like Rise of the Tomb Raider would have been canceled had Microsoft not bought it, then I'd be like, okay, like Bayonetta. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Nintendo yeah, resurrected Bayonetta it. doesn't so. exist without Nintendo at this point. Right, exactly. So there's certain things there. But yeah, Sony has not done that as far as I know. And in the time I've been paying attention, I haven't seen them go, oh, wow, you know, this this game is great on everything, so we're taking it for ourselves. I haven't seen that. So, well, and I would say this I understand both sides, right? I understand that wanting to buy a sequel to an established, long known, well running franchise makes sense. It's like, oh, people who love the first one will want to continue that journey and will buy our system to do so. I think Sony instead looks and goes, ooh, let's money hat this new IP because we get the PR boost of it being something that's unknown, but it comes from someone that somebody that the people love. So instead right. of money hatting the next dishonored game, let's money hat the next game from the dishonored studio. That's not dishonored. And you can kind of have your cake and eat it too. in that setup. Cause you can go, yeah, you love what their games are. You like what Arcane's doing? Cool. You're going to get to do that in this new world, this new idea, and you're going to get to do it on PlayStation. And it's like we're setting up a thing where when you think of Deathloop, you think of PlayStation. When you think of Ghostwire Tokyo, you take you think of PlayStation. And there's a lot of value in that. And I think Microsoft were really trying to look, and specifically with Tomb Raider, at a, ooh, what if we bought into an existing game base around this trilogy? But I think Microsoft saw varying levels of success when instead they went and they money had it insomniac to get a game from insomniac prior to playstation owning them and i think that was smart and while sunset overdrive didn't necessarily blow the sales charts away it was a well-received game and it gave xbox a lot of well like a, a lot of good pr and i think we saw the same thing when they put out quantum um 
Quantum Break with Remedy. And it was like, mm-hmm. cool, new games, new ideas. We don't have to feel like we're taking something away from someone rather than Alan Wake. we're using a developer. Yeah, it, it was a good idea. I think yeah, it was absolutely. smart of them to do. And yeah. that's the, the right, I think that's the right way. To me, it's like there's no real reason to complain if a new IP that you've never seen before is exclusive to a console. You know, mm-hmm. that's why I'm not sitting here like up in arms about Starfield, even though I would be pretty upset about uh, Fallout 5, even though I've said on the show I don't think it's coming. Um, so, you know, I think for me, a new IP is a lot more palatable. That's what sucks about Bethesda. You know, if Microsoft was like, we're making no more sequels, we're just doing new shit, you're like, yeah, okay, whatever. But sequels are still weird because, like you said, I think that Fallout and the Elder Scrolls all tie into that Final Fantasy idea where they're sequels, but they aren't connected. I in agree any with meaningful you, way. but I'm being a so, hypocrite about Fallout. Yeah. And I, I disagree I, about Skyrim, uh, Fallout, Elder Scrolls because those games are all sort of interconnected. Oh, they they're are, just, but I said in no meaningful way because they really aren't in any meaningful hmm. way. It's all like, the Yeah, they all take of, yeah. place in the same world. I'm just being, but, uh, what's the word? Um, facetious? No. An asshole? I'm going to go with nitpicky (laughs) because it's close to what I mean. But, you know, the history of Skyrim Oblivion happened kind of thing. So they are all, like, together, but you don't need to have played them. So I'm being uh, pedantic. That's the one. I'm Pedantic, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, all right, we got a couple more here. Josh Ayers says, "I think Xbox players, I think if Xbox players support the game, uh, they will get games. But if they don't show up again, they will be back to where they are now." As for people who think Square will be bought, Square has said they want people to invest in their teams more than buy the company. So, what does that mean? Do they want Sony, Microsoft, or Nintendo buying specific teams like Biz- Business Division Two? The Dragon Quest team. That is a weird thing. I almost wonder, and this would be a really weird change to the gaming industry and the way we see it, if acquisitions no longer happen, more so than studio sponsorships happen. Hear me out. Instead of buying Square Enix, you go to Square Enix and you go, we we really like everything that comes out of uh, Creative Unit 3. And we want to really do everything that they have. We have good rapport with them. Their games do well in our systems. People like the types of games they make, and we have that. So what we're going to do is we're going to sponsor Creative Division 3, and everything that comes out of them will inherently be a PlayStation exclusive because we've invested in that studio, but you still own them. And then Microsoft goes, we really like what you're doing with Business Division 2 and Dragon Quest. We like those types of games. We want to see them on Xbox. We want people to have that. Phil's up on stage moving you know, his shirt around and po- looking at the camera and pointing. And he's like, we want Xbox to be the place where you can play Dragon Quest. And, you know, <laughs> and so they sponsor Business Division 2. And then Nintendo comes in and goes, we really like what y'all have been doing with Triangle Strategy and Bravely Default and all these games. So we're going to look at the, the arm that y'all typically use to create your kind of double A games, and we're going to sponsor those studios. And th- those are going to be Nintendo de facto studios. But you own all of them. You keep the IP and you keep the, you know, the gains and losses from them. But we basically pay you into them as a pseudo owner. I wonder how that would go. <laughs> I just, I don't get it. Like, I don't get it from Sony's point of view, right? Like, if they were like, okay, we'll, because for me, I would have to imagine, like, okay, if Sony was like, we'll pay for everything that uh, CB3 does, you guys pay nothing, 
but we get nothing except the exclusive. I don't see why Sony would do that. Instead of just walking in there and being like, we're hiring all of you and we're creating a new studio called uh, Creative Christmas Unit 3 and you're making <laughs> Inal Antisy X Teen, right? Like I, that, I think makes more sense. But I, my my version of what of that is is close to that, where I would just go, "Oh, you're making Final Fantasy 16. We'll pay for the we'll pay for the development, and then we'll, we have a first look at what's next." I would say that the reason in this scenario that I came up with why you would do it is because the cost would be less on would be less on Sony than owning them outright and less than just having to pay per game, but it would be a continual lesser amount of funds to where Square Enix gets to look at them and go, okay, creative business or creative unit three typically cost us um, two hundred million a year to and these are rough numbers. I don't know anything about how that goes. I'm so I'm just throwing it out there. Creative business unit two takes us uh, fifty million a year to operate. And okay. Sony is going to pay twenty five million a year to sponsor this studio. So now we get to keep our IP, which has its own inherent value that builds over time. We get to keep our workforce. We get to keep the studio. We get to keep all the profits and whatnot. We get to talk to the shareholders about how this is good. And Sony has less risk than having to pay up front for an entire game's development, which could be $200 million. And instead, they just continually... It's its essentially... <laughs> I don't want this, by the way. I'm just saying this is an interesting idea. It's essentially a subscription service for studio dev <laughs> to where Sony's just like, yeah, we're subscribing Creative Business Unit 3. And so long as we have this subscription, their games will come to us. And but it's then, a mutually its a mutually beneficial <laughs> thing. I will ask you the question <laughs> I asked you last week. Why wouldn't you just pay for the year instead of the monthly <laughs> at that point and just buy the team? Oh, yeah. I'm not saying – look, I'll tell you this much. I don't know enough about business to know why you would choose one over the other, but there might be a reason as to why you choose to do that. But I don't know enough. Maybe what Square really wants to happen is that they want – but they talk about it like this. So is Square going to have it to where all of their studios exist as independent businesses that then they say, okay, Sony, if you want them to be exclusive, you have to buy 30% of the shares for this. So you'll be – you won't be majority shareholder, but you'll be second majority shareholder. And that's how you invest in and get exclusivity. But you still have actual stock and you still have actual value. You get dividends based off of how the games perform. Maybe. But I think it's more beneficial for Square to just have floating money that's still less money coming in, personally. But the question is, is that is that worth it to Sony? And I don't know the answer of any of this, but it is a weird thought process to think through. It is certainly an interesting idea. All right, let's keep going real quick. We have Velvet Thunder, one of our patrons as well. He says, realistically, it's probably just that the deal was already on the table and Xbox finally followed through on it. But I would be very happy for the next Final Fantasy game to not be exclusive. Then people might actually judge it fairly. And I kind of get where this is coming from. There's been a lot of talk about Final Fantasy 16 and why it did or did not sell well um, and why it is or is not a good or bad game. And a lot of it's based around or at least very much fueled and tinged by, at the very least, um, um, the fact that it's an exclusive. And so the game is getting looked at differently because anything that's good about it, certain groups on the internet are saying it's 
it's because it's an exclusive and that's why it's so good and because Sony did something. And then, well, it's bad because it's not and because it's not on my system and this is why it's bad. Instead of just looking at the game and going, well, yeah, maybe it didn't sell as well not because it didn't also release on Xbox, but maybe it didn't sell as well as maybe they wanted because it's a straight-up action game, and it's a pretty big deviation from what Final Fantasy's done in the past, and people who may not have wanted that have a reasonable spot to not want to buy into that, whereas new people who did want that may be buying into Final Fantasy for the first time, and one number is not enough to balance the other, at least not yet. And that's a more reasonable statement than some people are giving it. So I get that. It's the nature of exclusivity. To some degree, games are faring, games will fare better or fare worse depending on what's going on with them, sometimes based off of strictly the fact that they're exclusive or not. <laughs> Which is... Yeah, I mean, I agree. I yeah. Agree. Last one we have here, uh, Sam Coffin says, I don't think it's going to make any waves. Xbox gamers typically don't bother with weeb titles, especially if they're not on Game Pass. Um, and that's a bit of a more of an inflammatory one, but... It does bring to the point that I've heard people often say, and we talked about this when we had Luke on, Chris, to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish I'd have dug into that a little deeper um, and, and would have went more genre-specific and say, well, how do these games do on that on that service? And how do we look at Because we talked about how um, indie titles and, very, and much smaller AA titles tend to perform pretty well on Game Pass. But it's a lot harder to understand what is successful for AAA games that land on that. Um, and do you think, as piercing as this is trying to be, do you think there's any truth to that? Do you really think that certain games... Because there was a conversation that happened online about how 14 coming to Xbox didn't matter because it wasn't going to be on Game Pass. So not only did you have to buy the game, you also had to pay a subscription just to play it. No thanks. I'll wait till it hits Game Pass. I heard that. That doesn't mean it was a large enough bubble. But do you think there's any real thing there within the Xbox player base? Or do you think that's something that just gets hammed up because of specifically online um, vigor? Uh, Both, (laughs) probably. Yeah. I mean, it, I think it's an undeniable truth that if you make your console a casual, like if you have a Series S out there that's a more casual console or casual forward console and where you're not in there looking for graphics and you're not in there looking for, you know, the best frame rate, but you're in there looking for games to play, right? It's not a hard stretch to think that the most casual people are buying that and then getting Game Pass because... I, I spent two hundred and fifty dollars, and I can play five hundred plus games. That's a that's a great deal. Like, there's no for me, there is no faulting someone who goes, yeah, I bought an Xbox S, or I bought a, even if I bought a Series S or X because I pay fifteen dollars a month and I can play whatever the hell I want. Oh, I don't like this game. I play something else. Who cares? That is an enticing thing, regardless of 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 anything else. So I think it's. Um, you know, six and one half dozen in the other, where it's just like, yeah, more people who play on Xbox have Game Pass and are only there for Game Pass, but that doesn't mean that 25, 30% of them don't buy everything, you know? But it is sure. very logical that Game Pass is free. I, I'll tell you right now, if I was a dad right now and my kid was playing video games, I would buy them an Xbox. And I'd be like, download what you want. 
<laughs> but I, I'm I'm going to keep playing on PlayStation and buying my own games. But until they can do that, why would I spend sixty dollars for Starfield when I can buy the when I can spend five hundred dollars, give them two controllers, and go go wild on Game Pass? Yeah, and the interesting thing there is that it'll be curious to see if twenty years from now. This uh, a whole new generation of gamers that grew up with Game Pass and, and by proxy Xbox because they wanted it. And if they continue to keep going until it's on phones and boxes start to matter less and less as things become more cloud-driven or just more platform-driven rather than um, hardware-driven, then you might get to a point where you have people that just like Xbox strictly because it was the path of least resistance for parents. That's, that's what Nintendo is. That's why yeah. Nintendo d- has done so well for so long is that they're a path of least resistance and they tend to be cheaper than their right. competitor. It's people the board. talk about now like parenting through a tablet. Mm-hmm. I'm going to parent through game pass. I don't give a shit. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, I, 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 that's why I think the argument is ridiculous. Hardcore hard. I hate using the term, but I think it conveys what I mean. A hardcore gamer is going to buy what he wants, and if it's on Game Pass, he's going to play. He's going to play it there. I'm a hardcore enough gamer where I tried Wasteland Three on Game Pass and then bought it on PlayStation so I could play it where I wanted to play it. But my 14 year old cousin who wants to play Peppa Pig is going to get that shit on Game Pass. I'm sorry, dog. I ain't buying Peppa Pig, but it's on Game Pass play Peppa Pig. You know what I'm saying? And that's and it's going to continue on there. And maybe I raise my kid to have no value for art and video games. Whatever I do. So I'll I'll spend the money for both of us, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's, I like where you're coming from. And that would be the only thing is that final point, which I don't want to harp on. I want to move into the news. But um, if there is any, I don't think there would be, but is there if there is any real worry that approaching all pieces of media, the, the goods and bads, right? Approaching all pieces of media with no actual dollar investment that is as tangible as buying the physical media means that you won't push yourself to actually see if you like it. If you don't get an immediate dopamine hit, mm-hmm. you'll drop it. And yeah, you see that well, with music and, and all those things. And you see how hard it is to become a musician because you have to play into, you see it on YouTube. You have to play into the things that the algorithm likes and the things that people like to see, which is quick, snappy, get you in immediately, hook you immediately, and then try and get done relatively quickly so you can move on to the next thing. And I think that's why, as I'm learning, shorts work so damn well because yeah. it's just, yeah, I want to get, I'll, I'm willing to give you 20 seconds of my life. Well, yeah. And that's why TikTok is so popular. I love TikTok because I spend an hour scrolling out of in bed but i've watched like 57 videos at that point like <laughs> yeah i've gone through a whole gamut of emotion and that's so different from the way that i interact with it so or the way that i interact with content and so i think that's the hard part of me trying to understand something like shorts which is a very easy pathway to recognition and success and so do gamers start doing that same thing and or do game do gamers start doing that same thing do game developers start doing that same thing in an effort to try and attach to those gamers and then how does that trickle effect matter i think at the end of the day you'll still play great things that hook your attention and you go a long time and you're like, wow, that was a big full game that I love and this is what I loved about it and this is why I love gaming. But, you know, it's it's hard to quantify what's lost in the pursuit of making things easily accessible. It's yeah. just the nature of uh, progress, I suppose, it, to it, some degree. The, my last point in terms of just to answer that, right, is I think when you when you spend money on something, you want to go back and and Mm -hmm. take advantage of that money like in my head i still want to go back to god of war even though i know that the section i'm on i don't want to play 
but yeah. I spent $300 on that. So I should play it. But I'll go on Game Pass and I'll be like, I, I could play something like Pentiment and be like, Pentiment is fucking awesome. I'm never playing this again. I didn't pay <laughs> for it. You know what I mean? And yeah. that's that's why it's so easy to go, eh, Scarlet Nexus sucks, moving on. Uh, grounded, oh, I died by an ant and I didn't know that could happen. I'm done. That's that's the worry for live service, but that's a whole other topic. <laughs> Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and hop into the news uh, since we're an hour into the episode. Let's go ahead. The first piece of news uh, is Rockstar Games is hopping back in the saddle, the saddle being lazy ports of their classic games. (laughs) Red Dead Redemption is hitting Switch and PS4 on August 17th, so right around the corner. The game is neither a remaster nor a remake as previously speculated, but instead is Rockstar's way of making the game playable on modern consoles. The package also modern in quotations <laughs> the the package updates uh red dead to play at 4k 30 frames per second on ps4 pro uh, and ps5 okay thank you for fixing that because i was about to edit myself it does not take advantage of the ps5 as a native machine and is only playable via backward compatibility though it does at least benefit from enhanced backward compatibility um well in a way i mean it's nah. ps4 pro backwards compatibility yeah so anyway uh, it does not take advantage of PS5. Like I said, Rockstar is again sending the port out via another team, this time Double Eleven Studios, who are actually an excellent studio. Uh, so it's a little unfortunate that some of the stank around this is going to end up hitting them, which is the nature of taking on jobs. But Double Eleven are uh, a really good studio. And actually, they made, um, or they co-developed, if I remember correctly, one of my favorite Vita games. And that is Little Big Planet Vita. Which was so good. Very good. So give them a shout out before we continue to roast them the rest of this episode. <laughs> they also I'm not gonna roast them. Console I, I really want to roast so. Rockstar. <laughs> so yeah. All right. So um as we've said, the project seems to be intended to make the game playable on modern consoles in parity with the version already available via backwards compatibility and boosts on Xbox consoles. Uh, until August 17th, the only way to experience Red Dead Redemption was on the Xbox Series uh, consoles as well as the Xbox One, actually, uh, which cost $30. This version for Switch and PlayStation will cost $49.99. Make that make sense. And then to make matters worse, the CEO comes out today and says that the pricing for this is is considered standard for the industry in within industry set expectations. I actually don't disagree. So that means that you think the Xbox version of this game is going to go up to forty nine ninety nine? Yeah, I have a feeling it will as well. Um, Get it now. I want to make one thing abundantly clear right now. I want to forgive. I'm not forgive strong word. I want to I want to retroactively apply more leniency to how hard I was on Sony and Naughty Dog for charging $70 for a The Last of Us remake. I still think it is too much. And I still think that when you cut a big chunk of the game, much like they're doing here, no multiplayer, that Correct. asking all new price, but here's the difference. Sony and Naughty Dog gave you something on top of the value of the original product by way of a ground-up specific native version that utilized and leveraged the hardware 
in a way that the previous game never would have been able to, then charge 70. And Rockstar comes in and says, yeah, we're just going to make the game playable and then upscale the game, which is they're not, you know, when you do a remaster, you change, like you, uh, you re-upload textures that are higher res and what they can benefit from. And thankfully, Red Dead Redemption actually has pretty high quality textures for a 360 game. And that's why when you play this on 360, it's backwards compatibility. Uh, the game looks incredibly sharp and it looks very good in a number of areas. But the reality of this is I don't think that $50 is a value proposition for this game. I think when you have a version of this game that's already doing something that you didn't even have to do any work for, that's 30 you should just go, well, if PlayStation and Switch can't do that, then what we'll do is, is do the work and then still release it in a, a similar price. Um, I don't know that this does anything to make me want to play this game, for the, to try and play this game again. <laughs> and I was excited for something more to come so that I would have that motivation of like, hmm, the new remake that's here. And I don't wrong, I never thought for sure it was going to be a remake. But that version at least had a little bit of hope of maybe that will be enough to push me over the edge and maybe finally I can click with this game that's so beloved by so many other people. Mm. But it seems like that was not meant to be. Um, Chris, <clears throat> what's up? What are you so, thinking here? I- I'm going to preface this by saying that I wrote the news. You did. So everything Brett said was not to take words out of your mouth or anything, but my opinion, right? On August 17th, I'm going to be buying Red Dead Redemption for $50. And it's, this is lazy. There's no added value to this. There's no reason it should cost $50, though I do agree in a sense that it is in kind of up to up to where the industry is right like if you look at remnant in this it's not but if you look at a game this size and this graphical quality i would look at it and go i could see that being 50 if if this version of red dead came out in 2023 and was 50 dollars, i wouldn't have a problem with it i guess is the best way to say that so that's why i'm kind of on that same page so all of this sucks Red Dead is good, and I still want to play it again. And that's the thing. like, You just have to take what you want. I'm disappointed by this, but I know me not buying it is not going to do anything. So I'm just going to buy it. I'm going to enjoy it. And I have $20 in coupons from PlayStation Stars. But I want to really You not buying it may not do anything, right? Yeah. But if each person who goes, I'm disappointed by this, doesn't do something, then... It might do something. That's the problem with looking at things strictly as an individual and why you got it. And don't wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong to go buy it. If no, you want to buy it, that's fine. I understand point, myself. Is. Yeah. The, but the point being is I just think that it, you have to be realistic <clears throat> with yourself and say that, that the reason you're buying it is not because you not buying it is not going to change anything. Because the reality is if everyone actually who has problems with this doesn't buy it, something will happen. No, And we actually saw that happen to some degree with the definitive edition for Grand Theft Auto because the long story, you know, the rumors around this was that a Grand Theft Auto 4 remaster, and these are again rumors, but the rumors were Grand Theft Auto 4 remastered and Red Dead Redemption remastered were both in the works to come 
And because of the reception that they got and the poor sales and all the stuff that they had PR-wise that they had to deal with with the definitive edition, they put all these on the back burner and kind of pause them. Now, we don't know if this is a continuation of that work and maybe Red Dead was farther along than the other one and that's why they went ahead and did it. We don't know if this was okay, we were going to do a remaster for $70, but now we're just going to port the game for $50 and this will be received better because if we remake the game or remaster the game rather, kind of like we did for Definitive Edition, we run the chance of screwing it up more than mm-hmm. bad PR. We don't know, but we do know that a precedent has been set for how gamers, at least the loud ones on the internet, <laughs> interact with what they expect out of Rockstar. And I don't think well, that this is the solution that anybody would have wanted, even though maybe it is better than a remaster that breaks the game further. Well, here's here's the thing, right? To clarify, I'm not buying the game because my one sale won't matter. I'm buying the game because I want to play Red Dead Redemption. And I think exactly. that is the thing that people need to look at. Am I disappointed by this announcement? A thousand percent. Do I wish this was something else? Yes. Did I laugh when I saw what this was? Yes. Is this the laziest possible thing Rockstar could have done as a company to get Red Dead on modern consoles? Especially when 90% of the Red Dead map is already made in their engine because it's in Red Dead Redemption 2. All yes. All of these things are true that this is a pathetic showing from a company that sold 55 million copies of Red Dead Redemption 2. They just crossed 165 million copies of Red Dead 2. Probably make billions upon billions. You mean Grand Theft Auto 5, but yes. That's the one I meant, yes. They make billions upon billions of dollars, probably daily, on GTA Online and shark cards. This is a pathetic showing from Rockstar. I'm still going to buy it. Yeah. Uh, You've touched on the biggest thing. And the the only other comment that I had is that I think that a remake is so weird to have not done when you've already got the map, basically. You've already got the engine with the map in it. And all you really need to do is take the animations and the voice work and the dialogue and the performances from the first game and bring all that over and just rebuild all the quest stuff. When you already have the story pacing, you already have your performances, you already have the level design, you already have the quest design, and all you're doing is tweaking it to modern standards. That's what makes remakes and remasters, but specifically remakes, such a fun idea. It's like the amount of work that goes into them is not small, and I don't want to downplay right. what people are doing. But you know, you you remake a game of Demon's Souls scale in two and a half, three years – and that's be- and when a new game of that size takes five years to make because half of the work is done for you. Mm-hmm. And in this case, more than half is done for you because you've already made part of the world. I almost think that the original plan when the Hauser brothers were still at Rockstar was to remake the first game because of the fact that we know the game was held together by, t- you know, virtual tape and prayers that <laughs> – the, the idea was if we go ahead and we do this particular setup for Red Dead 2, it allows us the freedom to then go, now there's an easy way for us to bring this game that's so beloved forward in a way that makes sense, solves all the technical issues we would have had to deal with trying to bring it forward in more than just a port. Because that's why they're porting it. 
because they don't want to have to try and crack the code open. All they're all they're really doing is finding a way to more or less emulate these on the systems they're going on to mm-hmm. and then have the graphical side take the polygons and everything and just upscale them to 4K. And it's why the textures aren't going to go up. They're just going to be the textures they were upscaled. And the graphical output will be upscaled, which is fine. It's better than playing the game at 720p, 30 frames per second on a PS5. But yeah. It's also not good. <laughs> the biggest thing for me is that Rockstar has already Rockstar and Take Two have already proved that they don't give a shit when they did GTA Definitive Edition. So to me, it's holding out for. Go ahead. No, go ahead. This is the same. This is the same company that did the Mafia trilogy, which was excellent. They yeah. remade Mafia One, and it got rave reviews and it sold well and then they remastered two and it did well and then they had three already out yeah but here's the thing and everyone loved it and it was a hey look this is what a billion dollar company can do when they go yeah we have beloved games and we have resources to put these things in and we have developers (laughs) that love working on it bang yeah i agree the sad reality is and they did it in-house yeah, but the thing, the reality with Grand Theft Auto is they could have sold an unworking rock that only displayed black screens and because and the box said Grand games. Theft Auto. Exactly. They're Grand Theft Auto games. And here's the thing Red said sold $55 million, 55 million copies. This is going to sell no matter what. And that's, again, not excusing anything I'm saying as not being slightly hypocritical. Because yeah, I, no, I fully I intend on buying it. But it, if you look at GTA Definitive Edition, they clearly don't care. So what is the what is the impetus in waiting? Other than not spending wasting $50, right? And I say wasting Well, then why did they even pause? Why did they even, again, all rumors technically reports, but why did they even reportedly pause development on GTA 4 Remastered in this if at the end of the day this is what they were going to put out for being honest. If, if you look at GTA definitive edition and you go, yeah, well that doesn't really matter. Do you think they were just trying to save face for PR? And then after enough time, they're like, good. Now we can just go through with what we originally planned. And we'll, and we'll just, if it hits bad again, we'll go through the PR cycle again and be fine. Just we're because, Rockstar. well, here's the thing, right? Just because someone murders doesn't mean they want you to know they're a murderer. Fair enough. Fair enough. I yeah. mean, <laughs> you are not wrong. They actively try to keep you from knowing they're murderers most of the time. So, well, yeah. My point, in, in the, to illustrate it a little bit better, the point is that Rockstar doesn't give a shit about GTA Definitive being bad. They give a shit about you talking shit about Rockstar and sullying their name when they can just go to Grove Street, give them a, a million dollars and have them, quote unquote, fix the game and patch it. And then they move on and the game had sold 80 million copies or whatever the hell. that's a made up number but however many copies it sold made up for the bad pr and the the fixing that's all yeah. it is they're just protecting and, and their name to take a more positive look on this the upside to this while we are talking about definitive edition is a lot of definitive edition's problems were that they took the android ports of the game that were already fraught with issues on android and then they ported them to consoles in a different engine than the original engine that they were developed in to make it easier. And they just didn't really bother fixing any of the problems that the Android versions and the iPhone versions were already known for. And so the, you end up with a mobile version of the game being ported and brought over and saying, yeah, well, we can run it at 4K 
you know, 60 frames per second. But, you know, that's you're you're taking a broken version of the game and then porting it. The upside is is that Red Dead may be held together by tape, but you don't you only know that because of stories. The game runs fine and it mm-hmm. works like it's supposed to. So regardless of how bad the back end of it is, it did its job. Yeah. And so if you can find a way to port this over by more or less glorifying the fact that you're emulating it on each machine you're coming into, they're probably building and they're probably doing exactly what Nixus talked about, uh, where they're building an emulator for the game right. as specific and saying, okay, this is an emulator that's specific to PS5 or to PS4 rather, because that's our target. And then it can check and see if you're on PS4 Pro and then therefore PS5. And we could just scale up from there. But all we're doing is emulating the game. Yeah. So, and look, the last it, thing is for all the shit said about GTA Definitive Edition, totally playable. Games were still good on launch. I beat GTA 3 before it was patched. It was still fun. There were just some issues. So, again, it's just, it's a lot of severity here. So, what's yeah, next on the right. news, dog? <laughs> uh, well, we have a question that comes from within line of that. And so, to kind of change things around and look in a more positive light, Porkchop asks With Red Dead Redemption Remaster, Remake, Rehaw, whatever they want to call it, which I want to take a second to pause, Rehaw is an, an incredible name. I wish if this would have been a remaster. If this was if this was THQ Nordic, this would have been Red Dead Redemption Reha Edition. I promise you, <laughs> and it'd have been so good. I love their names. I, I love names. War Mastered instead of Remastered for Darksiders. It's incredible. That's so good. What? Yeah. What was the Death uh, Definitive Edition for Darksiders too? They, they had God. some duds though. Red Faction um, Remastered, not good. That's so good. That's not good. That's bad. That is so good. No, Dude, it's, it's not. It's punny. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's bad. It's bad. It's, it Battle does for not Bikini sound... Bottom Rehydrated, bro. That's, that's so good. That's the best one. But <laughs> the problem is Remastered <laughs> takes effort to say, which makes it bad. War Master doesn't take effort to say. Rehydrated is a word. Like <laughs> remastered is not a good one. I'm sorry. The game takes place on Mars. I'm calling it a win. I get the joke. I, I didn't say you joke. didn't. I'm just saying I'm calling it a win. But look, win? we're 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 getting away from the question. <laughs> I just thought Rehaw was really good. Rehaw's good. So it says what named. game from the past that hasn't been remade slash remastered would you like to make a comeback as such? I've been longing for a remake of the Jet Moto games, specifically Jet Moto 2. I emptied so much of my 11-year-old life into that game alone. So, Chris, we've been asked variations of this question to some degree across the show, but I don't know if we've been asked since you've been on the show. So okay. what um, is your dream game that has not seen a remake or a remaster? To come forward for a new generation from love. giving the obvious answer, which is Fallout 3. Um, and I'm going to give the more interesting answer. I haven't played this game in... Wow, this is like one of those existential, I'm getting old moments. But I haven't played this game in probably 20 years. Because I can't find it and it's hard to play. So I would like Sega to make a full Jet, Jet Set, Set Radio, Radio. future remake the xbox one yes the xbox one i would actually very much appreciate it if they also remade project gotham racing 3 and put them together again Anything i think it was possible. project was it project gotham racing? no three was no. a 360 game 
Three no, was no, a 360 no, no. title. What was the game that came with it? Uh, it was a Jet Set Radio, and then pro- I think it was Project Gotham Racing, the 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 dual pack for the original Xbox. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, I don't know. You got to remember, I got an Xbox it might for be free Project from a Gotham? friend, and I was a poor boy, so I I never bought an Xbox game new. I played them secondhand from people. That came with the game with the console. So if he had it, you had it, and he gave you. I did not. He gave me that in Fable. That sucks. So you've never played Jet Set Radio Future? Sega no, GT. I've, is the I other. know it. I, I, I've played it, but I played it at a local skate park that we had. That's not a bad price. Oh, I can't look at this. I can't start collecting Xbox games. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Jet Set Radio Future has a banging soundtrack. One I just, of the best of all time. I, was that game not available by itself as an individual game? I don't believe so, no. Well, then I never realized it was a double pack. I played it at, we had an old skates park uh, that was here called Dark Slide. And that was the first time I ever played Burnout, like Burnout 2, Burnout 3 on an old Xbox. It was the first time I played Halo. It was the first time I'd played an Xbox ever. <laughs> and we used to go up there and they had, uh, they had Jet Set Radio Future that you could play up there as well. So I want to, I, this, this, I'm looking at one with a really good price. I'm having trouble. I, I am a game collector, as, as you guys can see. I do Chris, if you're watching games. on YouTube, Chris has finally upgraded his background, and he's so proud of it. And I think I a am proud golf clap, golf clap for Chris. If you're in the com, if you're in the, if you're watching this on video, comment in the comment section. Golf clap for Chris. Tell me how pretty. Um, but I could just stick this on the shelf for sixteen bucks. Oh, dude, yeah, why not? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Spend money, Chris. You weren't supposed to say that. I mean, Chris, don't do it. <laughs> it's too late. I already bought it. <laughs> now I gotta right, buy so an mine, original Xbox. I think I may have answered the same game before, but if I have, I don't care because it's it's definitely it. So you know how we got the Tony Hawk's Pro Skater One and Two Remaster bundle? Mm-hmm. It didn't have to be a bundle, but you know that's one of those classic sports games that everyone loved. That was like the extreme sports games versions they were putting out back in the PS One, PS Two days. Um, there was a banging game dave mira freestyle bmx and it had a killer soundtrack and it was basically the same type of game you're in a map that you're on a bike you're running around you're doing flips tricks you know you're doing verts and doing crazy things within the level to collect things so basically by all in for all standards it was just a ripoff of the tony hawk thing but being like well what if we just did that but with bicycles instead of skateboards but it was so good and i miss it and i love it and i sink thousands of hours into that one summer was that game tony hawk pro skater 2 and lincoln parks hybrid theory in my cassette and not cassette my cd player for the entire summer so when i think of any hybrid theory song from lincoln park my brain is like having like it's not ptsd but it's like weird flashbacks to like dave mira and <laughs> and Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2. So I would love that to be All right. the game. I got a couple more that I just came up with off the top of my head that I played. Um, Def Jam Battle for New York. Oh, my God, dude. What a game. What a game. Fantastic that game is so game. good. Yeah, I used to play as, as Fat oh. Joe. He was really good. Um, dude, Snoop Dogg is fucking cut. I mean, I know oh, it's yeah. a fake character, but Snoop Dogg looks swole. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's hot. <laughs> Exhibit. Um, is it? Yeah, man, it's so good. Um, let's see. Create your own character. My my guy had an earring, big yeah. ass earring too. Yep. Uh, give me SSX Tricky. Great game. Yep. Uh, 
I'm surprised you didn't say this. Uh, Midnight Club LA. Midnight Club LA. See, here's the thing. I'm actually going to tell you, my rule for this was that I think all these games on PS3 are playable. I'm be dead honest. Would I like a remaster? Absolutely. But I know for a fact I can easily go put on Midnight Club LA right now and have True. a great time with it. And it would honestly still play and look about as good as I want. Some of these other games, I think going back and playing them now, the restraints of what they were developed on would become noticeable, but those mm. could be easily smoothed over and you <clears> could still have fun with the mechanical core of them in a remaster slash remake. I'm thinking, for me, when I'm thinking remake, I'll take it for any game from past eras. P- I think like early PS3 on, late PS3 is kind of fine. Um, because, yeah, you're right about Midnight Club. But Midnight Club, that looks like Gran Turismo 7. Oh, dude, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I would be hype. I just don't think it's on my list as much as like a remake of Maximo from Capcom. Sure. My, oh, like, Maximo Goes to Glory. Great game. Fantastic game. And I would love to have that remade. Actually, just, that would be that would be the kind of remakes, because they're not super long games. Those would be the kind of remakes yeah. I would want to be like day one PS Plus games. Like Sony's like, Facts. we partnered with Capcom to remake uh, you know, Maximo 1 and 2. Day, day and date on PS Plus, or you can buy them for $40, $30, whatever it be. There's a lot if, of really good games. If Phil Spencer is serious about the things Phil Spencer says, and we don't get Blinks the Time Cat back in a full like game, give me Blinks. I'll take some Blinks. Um, My final answer here, and we've already talked about it, and I actually still think this game holds up incredibly well. <clears throat> so I, again, another game that I don't think is required, but give me Fable. Remake the original Fable, the best one of the entire series so far. But here's the kicker. The reason that you're going to remake it is the benefit comes from the fact that since everything is immediately loading now and you don't have to worry about that, I don't even want the world to be that much bigger. But I want you to scale it up a little bit and have it to where you fill out the areas just a bit more, but I don't want an open world. I just want everything to be hubs. So when I'm in the area of like the dark forest, I see the hub. When I'm in Oakvale, it's a hub. I can go to the city and I can go to the surrounding areas right outside of Oakvale that are stylistically similar similar to that without a screen. And then I can immediately travel to the hub for the dark forest and everything. And bam, I have that. I can immediately go to the main city that I can't think of the name of right now for some reason. Um, And everything around that is one hub. That is my ideal game. (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. And then just smooth everything else up because I think that Fable is such a classic that mechanically there's really nothing I want to change. Everything I want to change is more, it was designed for this restriction. I don't want Fable 2. I don't want a big open world that's not really that interesting that just tells you where to go at every turn. And there's not really reasons to deviate much from that. That's why I always end up quitting Fable 2 about halfway through. I get tired of it because I don't think it's nearly as interesting a title. And it's stupid easy. It is. Um, One more, but it's a twofer, so technically two more. But I want remade and remastered by Remedy, the very specific, the 50 Cent Duology. (laughs) Who actually developed those originally? I genuinely don't know the answer to that question. Was it Atari? Did those? Did, who published those? Atari? Um, Sierra? V- Vivendi. Vivendi. And it okay. was um, Genuine Games. 
Yeah, I, okay, I don't even know who that is. Yep. Uh, R.I.P. Genuine Games. You probably aren't around anymore. Definitely right. not. I said so, last. I, I said last one, but this is just going to be a passing thing. If you know, you know. Give me a ground up classic. remake of a PS One classic kart racer style game called Motortune Grand Prix. And technically, it was Motortune Grand Prix Two, but the version we got, they just called Motortune Grand Prix because we never got the first one fantastic game if you know you know ps1 game made by the team that would eventually become polyphony and make gran turismo mm. so good i love that game still holds up though so again it's one of those things where a remake just makes it even better i'm here for it the real like the it. real answer is that great games hold up regardless yeah mostly doesn't mean you don't want them in a better package though so uh, all right, moving on to the next thing. Apex Legends is nearing the launch of its 18th season, and with it comes a complete reworking of a once popular legend, Revenant. Multiple skills have been changed. For example, Revenant can now see low health enemies and crouch walk significantly quicker. In order to allow everyone to try the changes, he will be a free character for all of season 18, which launches yesterday, August 8th. So, of course, that is today, but it's yesterday when you're watching this video. In the future, the future. Such subtle writing on my part, and you blew it. <laughs> Just fucking with you. Oh. Um, yeah, I know this is a so, new topic, but I don't have anything Chris to is say. Excited. I don't play Apex anymore. So. <laughs> Chris is excited. Chris is not excited. Uh, next piece of news, pseudo-console exclusive Quantum Horror, uh, Quantum Error, rather, a first-person cosmic horror shooter has gone gold. While a release date is not currently known, they said that it will be revealed alongside a new trailer for the game, quote, very soon. Um, I don't know if we could, but I actually would love to see if we can get them on the podcast just so we can talk to them about how it feels to navigate the twitter sphere when you're being told that everything you're doing is to try and undercut this other system when all you're doing is saying yeah we're a small team we have limited resources we're having trouble on this system so we're not doing it and then following that up with we're also having trouble on ps4 what we try to design is too hard i just would love to hear what that process is like how you choose to go about when you are a team of that size creating a game uh, and, and being like, well, what's our target hardware and how much do we want to design the game with that target hardware in mind? How hard does it make it to go back to a different hardware? Should we try and expand? Mm -hmm. I think it'd be interesting. The game looks cool, though. I would be down to hear about it. Well, we have a question. Oh, uh, it's, it's a it's a twofer. It's two patrons coming together for one bold question, Woo. and they say, "How long should a game have between release window or between release and going gold to give you confidence? One month, two, six? And then Jehudi MD came off the back of Josh Ayer's question and said, "And to piggyback off of this question, review embargoes?" Question mark. So let's break this into two questions. Clearly. How long do you think a game should have gone gold before the release date? In this case, for this particular game, it's why I wanted to bring it up. It's gold before we even have a release date, <laughs> which is rare. That's not usually the case. So do you think that there's a magic window for you, Chris? I'm pretty sure you are muted to where you feel like, okay, there's a month, a month feels good. Or is it two weeks? Is two weeks enough for you? Or does two weeks feel like, ooh, you're cutting it close? I don't know. Look, the, the the thing is, like, I don't have the knowledge to really know, right? Like, to me, in terms of going gold, going gold the day before release date, 
probably not possible because of discs. But all that says to me is that you spent up to the last hour polishing the game, right? You're still working yeah. on it up to the last minute. That's great. You know, we actually just saw that um, today where uh, WrestleQuest was supposed to come out. And I'm not saying the game went gold yesterday, but I am saying that the game was delayed at the on the day of release because they found a um, progress-locking bug, right? So they were working on WrestleQuest to the last minute. Whether the game is good yeah. or not is another question, but you know if well, that's what's going on, fine, cool. Like I don't, I don't have the technical knowledge and game development to know that. All I know is yeah. that games should probably be made go gold a couple months early because that's how you print discs. But if WrestleQuest yeah. went gold a minute before they press publish, okay, <laughs> like that doesn't <laughs> signal anything to me because I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I'd say um, to your point about. Um, something like WrestleQuest, which probably maybe isn't even getting a physical version. That actually might be why this was even a thing. Uh, going gold traditionally is used because you're denoting that this is the version you're going to send to disc. Mm-hmm. But if you're a digital only game, going gold doesn't really matter in the same capacity. Right. Uh, so you look at something like Alan Wake 2, which right now they're calling a digital only title. that's not going to disc. And they don't have to go to gold until basically... With an, as long as they do it with enough time to where it's uploaded on everyone's backend system and has time to go through review for product, um, which who knows how quick that can be. So I'd say maybe 48 hours is probably enough for PlayStation to be like, yeah, it looks good. We're, we'll upload it. 100% agree. And uh, at the end of the day, I get where you're coming from. And I think something going gold closer to its intended release can make you feel like, did... What was does that mean they were pushed to such an extent that they maybe should have actually delayed it and the game may be in a worse state than it may have been? It's hard to say, and I know that this year and a lot of games lately have pushed people's belief <laughs> that a game that's being worked on up to the last minute actually means it's good rather than, oh, if it's being worked on to the last minute, there must be still problems that they just were trying to not have to delay for. But that's a personal pull at that point. You got to kind of determine who you trust, who you don't trust, and right. what you want to believe. Uh, now, on a different question, I have been really back and forth on review embargoes, and I am I'm conflicted about them because I understand their value, and I understand I understand reviews' values, but I also understand not wanting certain aspects to get out. I, it, it's hard to say because it's not really even about the people making the game so much as I think it is about the enjoyment of gaming. So before I give my answer, Chris, do you have a peculiar preference on how review embargoes are done? Do you think that much like going gold, we were talking about, do you think if review embargoes are too close to the release date that you think it's fishy? Does it draw concern or warning from you? Um, I think it used to. I don't really see it as much now because we've had a couple games prove out that like, oh, the review embargo for, I'm making something up, but the review embargo for Witcher 3 was the day before release or the day of release. Hell, like that, and then it comes out and is great, then it kind of starts proving that the review embargo doesn't matter. It's more the game and the pedigree of the people there. You know, if Striking Distance was like, Hey, uh, the review embargo for Callisto Protocol 2 is four hours after release. I'd be like, not buying that, <laughs> you know? But 
it really just depends on I think it depends on the game. I would say the reason I am conflicted about it is because reviews serve a very important purpose. They uh, they allow people to learn about a game's stability, to learn about the innards of a game, to understand what the gameplay is to some degree. And here's the thing. I don't think that all of that exclusively comes from a review. I tend to not watch reviews. And if I do, it's a very select few people. And I don't even always agree with their review. A lot of the times I watch reviews after I've played a game. Yep. Because I'm curious to see what other people felt about certain aspects. And I remember I did that with Days Gone for ACG, and I have never felt like he was more wrong. But I respected the fact that he you know, just gave his opinion. Uh, but all that to say, I remember that there was a big controversy at some point when Bethesda started saying that there were they wouldn't send review codes out until after the game released. And people being upset about that. But I actually think I kind of like this idea of leveling the playing field and saying like, okay, the reviewers will also get the game at the same time as the people. And the game can get a more natural societal sense of growing and being talked about. And there's less risk of sending a code to someone who's not trustworthy and they leak information, they leak parts of the game and that ruins the conversation around the game, potentially ruins someone's experience with the game because they're online and two weeks before it even comes out, they learn that this character got killed and how does that impact things? And there's that part of it. Then there's the part of me that kind of goes back to what I was talking about earlier. And this is more of a me specific thing, but I like the idea of review codes being given on release date. Because it means that the people are not trying to rush to finish the review before the game is out so that they can get that extra ad thing. They're getting to play the game, and they may still play it faster than somebody else would. But I think what I like about it is it gives a brief window in where media can kind of go back to what it used to be before the internet to some degree, before the internet was at least as big as it is now, more phones than it is is internet. Um, where you would walk into a store and you'd look and you'd look at gameplay for a game and you'd make the decision on whether you wanted to buy it off of purely things that you had seen up to that point, separate of reviews. And I really like when someone, I, I like the thought process of going in, seeing something, grabbing it, buying it and going, well, that was a good time. Like, you know, it's not the best game I've ever played. It's not a 10 out of 10 or a 9 out of 10. But I think that reviews do a disservice to perfectly playable and good and enjoyable, fun time, 6 to 7 out of 10 games. And it ends up making it to where people see these reviews for them, see that they have a 7 and then go, that's not worth my time. I'm not buying it, or at least until it's free. And... Um, this kind of came up to my mind. That's why I like this question because it made me think about how a lot of people are talking about Square Enix's double A output. And some people are like, good, we need less games like Valkyrie profile and, um, you know, the, the new star ocean. And I'm like, well, no, I mean, like I haven't liked all those games, but in the reality, I'm glad those types of games are getting made. Are they 10 out of 10s, 9 out of 10s? Are they going to make a game of the year list? No, but I like that those games exist. They're a different break. They take different risks. They do different things. And if people are more willing to buy them because they didn't read a review that said that it was only a a 6.5 out of 10, I personally view that as a good thing. But review embargoes are a very personal thing. If you want to have a large conglomerate of people or at least one specific person that you think you agree with that says this game is a 10 out of 10 or a nine out of 10, and you need that to feel comfortable buying it. I don't blame you at all. 
No. I just like being able to make decisions on your own and go, you know what? I took a chance on a game and it was a good time. Or it was a bad time, but at least I took a chance. So... All right, we got one more piece of news here. Activision has announced Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 is releasing for the second separate time in my life on November 10th. It appears the studio worked in the project, uh, working on the project is Sledgehammer Games, as had previously been reported. Activision has previously confirmed that all operator skins, weapons, and bundles would carry over into the next entry. With this release, the goal is to create a game that feels like an extension of Modern Warfare 2, while also feels like its own full price full priced entry in the franchise i'm not crazy right modern warfare 2 was last year yes i don't really know that this was necessary <laughs> it was but it goes it to show that was modern warfare pack. must be such a big deal that they're like yeah we want to go ahead and do that it is, but this was originally supposed to be a DLC pack that grew into a full game, apparently. So that's interesting because isn't it at. Sledgehammer that got pulled off of the last game whenever Treyarch took back over? Wasn't uh, it Sledgehammer and Raven? I believe so. Yeah. So you pull them off of one game just to give them the next game? I don't know. I, I don't it's, know. it's weird. It's it's a weird. Setup. I hope it's good. I. I'm not a big fan of naming a game the same thing as another game. I don't get it. I think calling God of War 2018 God of War is stupid because now I have to say God of War 2018 for you to know (laughs) which one I'm talking about. It's also why I think naming the Xbox One was a terrible name, Uh, even though at least it wasn't called the Xbox again. Like if they just said, we're following up the Xbox 360 with the Xbox, I'd be like, God damn it, guys. (laughs) Because every time that I talk about Need for Speed Most Wanted, someone asks me, which one? I'm like, which fucking one do you think I'm talking about? The iconic one. (laughs) The one that the one who stole its name tried bumming off of because it was an iconic piece of gaming history. Different conversation, but point being, it's annoying. I don't like that. And now we have three fucking games that share the same name with their three previous games. And I don't know why this was necessary. I just don't think it was. <laughs> you did the same trilogy a decade apart. <laughs> yeah. I I like it. but I'm yeah, not it's... saying they're bad games, mind you. I just... Name them something else. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> like, you know what, Chris? I'll give you some points. Because when you see Modern Warfare 3, you kind of go, okay, well, I expect it to be Modern Warfare 3. And then you play it like, this isn't Modern Warfare 3 at all. <laughs> this isn't even remotely right. I remember whenever they first showed off um, the 2012, 2013, whatever year it was, um, Need for Speed Most Wanted. And I remember thinking like, so it's a remake, re something and then you play it and you're like this is literally nothing like the game that it shares a name with and you are kind of like what the fuck (laughs) so I'll give you some credit if you see Flashpoint you kind of do have somewhat of an expectation of what Flashpoint is so you know what Chris I give you your credit where it's due I appreciate that thank you Uh, I don't have much feelings about this because you know I don't really play Call of Duty but I know this is a big piece of gaming news Uh, one thing that we can say is that as of right now, there's no reason that we should expect this to not hit PlayStation because, uh, you know, the merger's not done yet and PlayStation signed an agreement. <laughs> this should actually be the, uh, 
last game with Sony marketing. Oh, you're probably well. You, we say that. I actually wonder how many games in advance Sony has already contracted. It was I think it was 2025, and they had two games: Warzone Two and this one. We'll see. We will definitely see. Uh, all right, so Chris, if you don't want to say anything else about that, we can move into the questions section of the show. And Chris doesn't know any of the questions, so that's even more fun. So, Chris, are you ready to move in to the questions? Hell yeah, brother. Woo! Hell yeah, brother. That was a big All right. So this is usually the point of the show where any of the questions we didn't have an easy way to work into here uh, get asked. And actually, the one that I had here, this is quick and fun. This is actually following before we go into questions. Stingery X says, will, uh, will the outing of the PS5 beep save relationships? Asking for a friend. Um, probably someone's. If your relationship is predicated on whether or not your console beeps in the middle of the night when she has no, or, okay, let me back up. When they, whoever it be, have no fucking business worrying about what you're doing, then um, maybe that relationship ain't worth saving. <laughs> I probably just destroyed someone's world with that sentence. And if you feel the need to hide your actions from this person that you're supposed to love, again, ask yourself, why do you what care? Are we doing? Exactly. <laughs> love yourself. Be who you are. If you're a gamer who plays freaking Call of Duty in the middle of the night when you should be cuddling your lover. Unapologetically. Just do yeah. it. She doesn't like that. Cuddle another lover. <laughs> you could be a mother lover if you want to love another mother. <laughs> it's fine you're, you're good all right all right justin timberlake calm down thank you all right so our first actual question and if you guys want to uh, submit questions remember you can head to social media find us on twitter or x at triangle sqrd facebook in the group triangle square to playstation podcast or once again down in the description below the discord that we would love to see you guys hop into kiki hopped over on twitter and asked us and kiki's a long time listener long time friend of the show he says, was Kingdom Hearts 4 announced too early? Yes. I have no opinion I, on the matter. You know how I am. Chris knows how I am. I think showing games three to four years before you intend on really doing anything else with them is pointless, and I don't really know what it actually serves. I understand it more with exclusives because you're trying to tell somebody why they should buy into your box. But if you're not an if you're not exclusive, or if you're not a company that does uh, hardware to where exclusives matter for you, why does it matter? So unless Kingdom Hearts Four was announced with a thing that it was going to be a PS Five exclusive, there was no point to show it. Because then I could at least go. Sony wanted that so that people would be more likely to buy a PlayStation Five so they could play the new Kingdom Hearts. So uh, yeah, that's where I'm at. Because by now we should have seen something else, and we haven't. Next question. No Fate, one of our patrons, says, for the players, was the slogan for PS5? I'm not even sure what the slogan for PS5 is, but what should the slogan for PS5 be? Uh, wow, you put me on the spot. Do I look like uh, the Madman guy? Um, remasters await. No, I'm kidding. I'm joking. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. Uh, Here's the thing: it's hard to come up with slogans, 
but they've had some killer ones for PlayStation. But PlayStation 4 being for the players is so good that they kept it for pretty much the entire generation, which is unheard of. Because yeah. if you remember, PlayStation 3 had like three different marketing slogans. Mm-hmm. The best one was probably was PS3, it only does everything. That's a fucking killer tagline and it made sense at a time when consoles weren't known for doing everything and ostensibly consoles do less now than they did when playstation 3 came out you could do anything on playstation 3 it was kind of stupid hmm i think greatness awaits is one of my favorite ones greatness awaits is a good one that was the other ps4 one that they did do um that was like the first one i think I think the problem with that one is it's far more easier to turn that one into like, uh, you know, whenever people get into their like Ford versus Chevy and they're like, you know what Ford stands for? Found on road dead. It's just, (laughs) it's one of those things where you can easily be like, and you saw it happen, right? We're on the Twitter sphere. People are like, yeah, you're waiting that greatness deal with these no games. Ha 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 ha. (laughs) So yeah, I I think it's great. It's just too easy to twist back around as a negative. (laughs) Yeah. Power um, to the players was that one? That was one too, right? Power to the players was GameStop. Fuck, and I Fuck know GameStop. because I worked at GameStop. So <laughs> Did you have to say that? Like when when people came in, it was like was it like Moe's? Where when you walk into Moe's, like welcome to Moe's. When someone walked into GameStop, you're like Power to the players. <laughs> 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 no, we did not have to say that, thankfully. We were supposed to go and greet them and say some stupid tagline, but I never did because I would just be like, hey, what do you need? Like, you know, hey, we're here to help you. I'm not trying to. You want to a, you want you a game informer subscription? I got to sell yeah. 80 of these or my boss is going to shoot me behind the building. Every week there was a new piece of paper printed and cut out. It's like a little mm-hmm. sliver that was the phone answering tag that you were supposed to say for that week, where it's like, Thank you for calling GameStop, where this week only you can get buy two, get one free on used games or welcome to GameStop, where if you if you trade in five games or more, you get an extra twenty percent. This is Brett, can I help you? It was I hated it. It's stupid. <laughs> um so um here's the thing. The thing that I think, and I've said this time and again, the most standout feature of PlayStation 5 that I think differentiates it from everything is the speed. But I don't know if now that's fast is a good <laughs> slogan for, <laughs> for, for a console. <laughs> but it feels right. No. Oh, you, you know, know what? what? They should... the, uh, your world at your fingertips. The world at your fingertips. Something like that. Yeah. Because... That is the thing that I like the most about the system. You're immediately in the next area. Like even a game like Remnant 2, which I think is actually among the slower loading games on PlayStation 5, still runs very quickly. Yeah. If but it I gives was you them, that false sense of security where you see that load screen, you're like, do I have time to pick up my phone and fuck around? Never do. <laughs> and then as soon as you unlock the screen and hit the button, you're like, ah, okay. Yeah. If they were smart, their slogan would be like SSD. And what would that mean? I don't know because I'm not a marketing guy. But I'm saying but that would be like the the letter the first letters of each one, and exactly, then the graphic all... would just squish together as SSD. Exactly. Lightning fast mm. speeds. If they were smart, right? They go to Square. That sounds they're... like an inter- an internet tagline. <laughs> it does. They would go to they would go to Square, and they would remake the Lightning trilogy, the Final Fantasy 13 trilogy, and they would the tagline. That would that would be the big game for their console, right? It's in all the commercials. It's on the box, and the box would say, "Lightning returns at lightning speeds." 
<laughs> and you know what? That's actually a good help because the load screens in those games are fucking awful. <laughs> it was so bad. Um, man, going back, like, dude, when we played Naughty Bear the other day, I was like, this game is loading for an eternity. <laughs> dude, I've had some times on PS3. Like, Marvel Ultimate Alliance, great game. Shit takes a while. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you can even put an SSD into a PS3 and it helps. Yeah, but, but not it's not enough. enough. It's not enough. But if you put an um, M.2 with a heat sink in there? <laughs> I think the problem you'd get is that the actual bandwidth that the controller for that, like you have nowhere on the board that can handle that speed on a hardware level. So yeah. you would just get throttled somewhere. But it would be funny. Yeah, it would. I've always wanted to build like a PC tower with a PS2 and a PS3 in it and just have it there. Connect some SSDs to it. Would look sick. Uh, you might be able to do something cool there. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have a better tagline. So right now, I'm just going to stick with... <laughs> uh, no, I'm not going to stick with now. That's fast. That's stupid. Uh, I really do like... I, I think that there's go a fast. good variation. But I think something of like, you know, uh, the world at your fingertips or, um, you know, like the, the world in a flash or something like that. Something that tries to hit at the fact that it's... The speed is there within it. Um, Different worlds await. Yeah, I don't know. It's um, it's something. You know, I mean, they probably had a good time to try and come up with one to coincide with the marketing push for Ratchet and Clank um, Rift Apart, and they didn't. So <laughs> Clank, I don't know. Clanking those load times with a ratchet into the speed verse. There you go. Ratchet those load times down. Yeah. Oh, there you go. There you go. No time to um, clank your wife because it loads so fast. <laughs> I, I would love that kind of marketing just because I'd be like, it would feel so over the top like it's just trying to be stupid. I would be like, that time. sucks. I love it. <laughs> Good question. I wish I had a better, snappier answer, but... Something lightning related to the speed, because I don't think anything else is go. coming. You know, I like that the idea of greatness awaits and all these different things was this idea of like PS4 allows you to do these worlds so much bigger since, you know, PS3 and 360, it was hard to make very big worlds. But we're past that being a point of excitement. Dude, fuck that. They should just do, they should have their big, the blowout showcase everyone was talking about. And then the tagline is greatness awaits again. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Yeah, or they take one out of, they take it out of, it'd be great, right? This is how the, the, the showcase ends. They're taking a page out of Disney's book, and it goes, greatness awaits, will return on the PS5. And that's how it ends. <laughs> greatness will return on the PS5? Yeah. And then people will start making red hats with, <laughs> make PlayStation great again. Oh, God. <laughs> My go-to hat that we still need to make to this day, and maybe this should be like a weird triangle squared hat. We'd have to do something PlayStation related at that point, make yeah. PS Plus nine ninety nine again, <laughs> something <laughs> ridiculous. But my go-to one was always uh, make, make five layers eighty nine cents again. Yeah. <laughs> do you remember when the world had eighty nine cent five layer burritos? Do you remember when it's a McDouble was on the dollar menu? My guy, yes. Do you, you remember, remember when the double cheeseburger was still on the dollar menu before dude, the McDouble had to come and say it's one less piece of cheese? Do you remember some of so I worked at McDonald's during that era? It was one of my one of my first restaurant jobs. Do you remember like some of the wild shit they would sell too? Like they would sell burgers with Fritos in it. We did those for a while. Oh yeah. We had um 
But yeah, the dollar menu, like you could you could leave McDonald's with spending twenty bucks and have like eight burgers, fourteen fries, some chicken incredible. nuggets, McChickens. You could make like eighty McGangbangs for like ten dollars. It was incredible. It, re- it really was. I miss yeah. those days. They they couldn't even keep up with the all si- all drinks are just a dollar. Oh, I know. It's like, come on, is that that now? hard? It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. You know what this is, Brett? You know what this is? You know what this is? This is a first world tragedy. It? It's a first world tragedy. <laughs> I'm not okay. <laughs> I'm so glad that you like that song. What a banger. Absolutely. What a phenomenal banger. Song. Go listen to Jared Alone, Sunrise Skater Kids, First World Tragedy. Good times. Yep. Good times. All right. We got a next question here from Root Days 93. Uh, he says, what's your thoughts on those Nintendo Switch generation or next generation rumors? And how bad do you think it will be for the new console to not be backwards compatible, which some rumors point to? Uh, so there's a lot of rumors floating around right now. One of the rumors is that the model will not have an OLED screen at launch. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an interesting one. I think that's a bad bad choice. Uh, I think that the Nintendo Switch OLED is a big showcase as to why OLED technology is so important. There's a reason that high-dollar cell phones do not not use OLEDs anymore. Everyone, if you are a high-dollar or even a mid-tier phone, you have an AMOLED, you know, AMOLED screen. Um, it's the nature of things. So that's the first one, um, which I think is bad. I think Chris and I have pretty much said again and again and run our, uh, you know, we, we just run it over. We've beaten it. It was a dead horse. And we turned it into mush. That backwards compatibility has been proven this generation to be one of the most important things. And we've long said that by Microsoft pushing backwards compatibility on Xbox One in order to try and gain some PR was ultimately a mistake because if they could not re if they could not push themselves to win that generation and they push backwards compatibility to become a standard again, when Sony was originally the one that did it, you lose because you don't have backwards compatibility. Now here's the other problem. The side of the other side of that, though, the flip side of that is that Nintendo doesn't compete in the same way and in the same true market. So Nintendo doesn't have a PlayStation to lose against. They are probably the only company in the modern gaming space that might be able to survive not putting back its compatibility in, but it will come at some PR costs. Will it? Oh. PR. That doesn't mean that it's going to equate to lesser sales. They're just going to have to do some campaigns of, we're sorry, can't do anything about it now. The system wasn't designed with it in mind. If you want backs compatibility, you can stream the games just like you can. You know, here's the thing. Why would the company that is willing to sell you Super Mario 87 times on 87 consoles apologize for doing what that company does. Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> I just think the conversation around this change, they, they will get flack. They may not apologize, but they will get flack. Sure. And they'll find a way to try and just sweep it under the rug. And, and it, it won't, maybe it won't be an apology so much as it'll, they'll try and find some way to do something. Cause you know, they've had their fair share of controversy with the Switch. But for the most mm-hmm. part, they've been able to sweep it under the rug and continue to sell without much issue. You know, they could announce so. that it's the same console and it has a new Mario or Zelda, and it'll sell forty million units in the first year. So, I wonder they, they don't though, have to. You know, 
Here's the thing, because Nintendo came off of the Wii and the DS and went consecutively into the 3DS, which was their worst-selling handheld of all time, and the Wii U, which was their worst-selling console of all time. I don't think the Switch guarantees success, and I think if Nintendo wants to be smart, they actually do have to, some, to some degree, try and be a little more forward-thinking just so they don't run the risk of doing the same thing again. Yeah. And we've seen that happen in a lot of different ways. I just think Nintendo got that hit really hard, one, two. So like, like Sony had the Vita following up the PSP, which was the only other handheld that had ever been that successful against Nintendo. And they followed it up with the Vita, which is one of the worst performing handhelds of all time. I mean, yeah, I guess it's still better than the vast majority of handhelds. It's better than the Game Gear. Um, but reality being is that they had the Vita, which was a failure, but the PS4, which was a skyrocketing success. And Nintendo had the double hit. The only benefit now is that I, there's no way that Nintendo's next project will not be hybrid. It's just what it's going to be. Yeah, oh yeah. They're not shifting so, away from that. Yeah. So any final thoughts on that? No. Um, I'm sure it'll be great and it'll play your Mario game. <laughs> All right, we're going to shift into uh, movie talk real quick. So oh, we have the ghost of Blake Popst, who wants to ask, who is your favorite film director and why? Um, it, it's, a hard, it's hard because the director I've seen the most is like, the I can't even remember their names now, but the MCU guys, who who are those those brothers? the Russo brothers? The Russo brothers, but that that, that feels like a boring answer because I mean I don't like the rest of their movies. Well, actually, you know what? Extraction and Extraction Two are fun movies. I think those are them with Chris Hemsworth. Um, mm-hmm. I like those movies. Maybe like Antoine Fuqua because you know Training Day is one of my favorite movies of all time. I Great think movie. he directed that. Or. Um, Dennis Villeneuve. Yeah, see, Nolan. you've got me. That's where I think we have a, a, a big connection. I like Denis because I think he, I like him because of the risk he takes. That's really the answer. Yeah. Everything that he does, and he gets a lot of surprisingly big budget pictures for how risky of a filmmaker he is. And yeah. I really like seeing him play off of being given a lot of trust and then still being like, well, yeah, but I'm still me and I'm still going to make this in a way that pushes something. I think one of one of my favorite movies from him, and I know it's a really controversial movie and it's really divisive, I think Enemy is an incredible movie. Every time yeah. I watch it, I'm just, I am so enamored with it. It's style, it's tone, it's use of all of these different uh, you know, film tactics and how they choose to play off this kind of dual-sided thing, how he chooses on rewatches, if you look, how he chooses to give information away that foreshadows the events. I think he's a really competent filmmaker, and I think he always has a really good uh, connection with a good cinematographer. And I think if you put those two together, you get great movies. Uh, if you've seen Dune Part 1, uh, the visual effects supervisor, the cinematographer, and Denis are a trio to be reckoned with. Is an incredible piece of media that I think its only true problem comes from the fact that he wasn't allowed to make a six-hour single movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think 
Now, that may change if Dune Part 2 flops, but I just don't see how it would. I think Prisoners is an excellent movie. It's so good. Uh, and, and, I mean, even... I think his take on Blade Runner was really an interesting thing. And there, there's recently been uh, Ridley Scott talking about how he wishes he would have come back and did... Um, was it Ridley Scott, if I'm remembering correctly, yes, for Blade Runner 2049? Um, or whatever the movie was called. Uh, I love that movie. I just think he's an interesting filmmaker. If I had to do one more, I think right now I have had a somewhat... I, there's there's comedy directors who I really like, and they consistently put out good stuff. Um, who? Jason Bateman. Oh yeah, he's great. What is what has he directed? Ozark. I know he did Ozark, and he is a, he, he's an interesting director. But has he done movies? I think he has, but I don't know off the top of my head. Hmm. I don't know. I really like Judd Apatow. If I'm talking about more comedy driven movies, I think he makes comedy movies with big heart. But when I actually still want to go to movies that I think are really thought provoking and interesting and you just, they linger with you in such a weird way. I think Chris may hate this answer. I don't know. We'll find out. Uh, I really have liked uh, Yorgos Lanthimos. I don't, I'm not actually sure how you say his name, but he did The Killing of a Sacred Deer, oh, The Lobster, Dogtooth. <laughs> uh, and he's got a new movie coming up as well. I think he's a really interesting director and there's something so odd about his worlds. And they, my favorite thing about them is that movies often try to portray a world that is meant to be like this hyper realized version of a realistic world to where when you see it, you don't question it as being real, even though you know it's fake. Instead, when you watch his movies the entire time, you're like, nothing about this world feels real. It feels like a weird fever dream, surreal it's they're weird movies, and I think that they're very interesting for that. You're right. I hate that answer. I figured you would. I hate that movie. That Go movie's so mid-week, good. Midweek matinee. You can hear us talk I mean, about it. Is it better than the Irreversible <laughs> director? I can't think of his name right now. Yeah, fuck that guy too. That movie <laughs> sucks. I can't believe Blake defends that movie. Holy shit! Out, you know, I don't know who I the guy is. I thought it was an is, interesting but... movie. The guy who made RRR, I've watched a couple of, uh, a little bit of his other movies. They're fun. I like him. But I think the real answer is Nolan. I don't think Nolan has, sans two, any movies I don't like. Um, Prestige is fantastic. Uh, I think Tenet's his best movie. Uh, I love Dunkirk. I haven't Dunkirk. seen Tenet yet. I really I need Tenet's to. Tenet's fucking fantastic. Um, Dark Knight Rises is good. Um, Interstellar. See, that's where you lose me. Yeah. I think Dark Knight Rises is as good as a movie could have been made considering the things. Well, I'm not going to say that. I think it's as good as a movie could have been made considering that he was trying his hardest to cling to a vision that he had that involved different people. <laughs> That's what I really think happened. I can We've talked that. a little bit about that movie. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think things. it's... So. I don't think it's an effectively horrible movie. But you know, that goes back to your same thing, right? You love Bane. But when you hear the name Bane, don't you have some expectations? Yeah. Hundred percent. But do you I like think that, that do you think that version of Bane hit those expectations? No, but that. But there's but there's always an exception to the rule, right? I'm not even saying there's an exception to the rule. That Bane, I feel like, look, maybe this is hypocritical, or it is me making an argument for an exception to the rule. But I think that Bane for that world is as comic accurate as you were going to get. For that if, world, if a gigantic world, luchador Tom Hardy hopped out of that plane in the beginning of the movie, that would be fucking outrageous. That would make the movie 
That would make the movie good, but for the wrong reasons. Here's the thing, though. I think when you juxtapose the fact that you say you can't do that, but then you have Kristen Bell just fucking (laughs) gruff talking through the whole movie, I think the thing is is that the movie already feels ridiculous. Because I remember laughing at the scenes between him and Anne Hathaway's Catwoman and being like, what the fuck is happening? And I always reference those because I do not, I have never respected an actress so much because Anne Hathaway let that man talk to her in that gruff voice and never broke character once. <laughs> and if I was across from him, I'd have been laughing my ass off. There's a part where he's like, she's getting onto the motorcycle and he's talking to her. And I'm just like, how are you? Not? I don't, e- I can't even understand this man right now. He's just, so what I'm saying is you kind of break the illusion there anyway. And then you also break the illusion when all these cops come running out of a tunnel that they've been in for months <laughs> and they're clean shaven and they're wearing the same clothes and they're crystal clean. They don't look like they've been in there for more than 10 minutes at max. Yeah. There's, uh, so there's some stuff. If you're going to break, if you're going to go ahead and break reality, why not actually do it in a way that felt purposeful and fun? Like yeah. having Bane be not maybe an over the top luchador, but still, a luchador and someone who had been using venom at which was this chemical thing you you can still ground that story there's a way to do it but if i'm being yeah, honest i just like the way they did if it wouldn't have been for that movie because i think the dark knight doesn't have any of the problems i'm talking about uh of like breaking down in that same sense i think it does a better job at being grounded and not losing you with some of its over-the-top things I would just say that if I was ever going to make a Dark Knight movie in that world with uh, with Bane, I just wouldn't. I would just be like, we have to choose somebody else because Bane cannot inherently work in the type of world we're trying to make. And I would just be like, yeah, That's Bane's fair. not going to be the next one. That's what yeah. I would have done. But you so. would never have gotten that voice. That's the best part. Nolan is, but, Nolan's great, though. I agree with you. But Interstellar is a top two movie of all time for me, I think, so. There you go. Goddamn That's a you know the thing about him though is a lot of his movies are divisive. Oh yeah. Except for Oppenheimer, apparently. (laughs) Yeah, everyone loves Oppenheimer. I haven't watched it yet, but I plan to do it soon. I want to. I was gonna go watch it tomorrow, but now that my uh, things have switched up and uh, we're gonna have my daughter when we originally weren't going to, so I think we're gonna go watch the new Ninja Turtles movie. It looks good. It does look good. All right, Jehudi MD, another patron. He says, what movie do you think would fit a good video game? Genre, gameplay elements, PvP elements, ESRB rating, primary console, studio slash publisher. So reverse what we've been doing, looking at who we'd want to make video game movies. Instead, take a movie, make it a video game. Um, here's the thing. I have like a, I feel like mine's a cheat code because it's already been done and it was so good and I just want more of it. And that is uh, The Chronicles of Riddick. They already did that. Starbreeze did an excellent job. I think that there's enough mystique and vagueness to that world. There's plenty of lore begging to be explored. And I think that the character of uh, Riddick is very easy to just send out on one-off adventures. And it works. And so I think taking him, being like, we're going to take an iconic part from the game, Butcher Bay. Uh, so that's a prison. The gameplay style will be first person, you know, immersive sim. You're going to be breaking out of prison. The game writes itself in many ways. And I, I don't think very many movies have not already been turned into video games that just changed the name. Like, you know, Uncharted being essentially Indiana Jones, <laughs> Tomb Raider in a way being Indiana Jones. Uh, so, Chris, do you have a more inventive answer than mine? 
I don't know about inventive, but I feel like as obvious. I came up with an inventive one as I was saying that sentence. But John Wick? Oh, yeah. Like, that just seems obvious. Which there have been games, but from what I could tell, they're like all... John Wick Hex? That's not Yeah, they're different style that. of games. Yeah. So like, Give me a so Hitman style. Let, let's go through it. So genre. You're saying third, open world. Third person. No. Or, or, or hub, hub world, rather. No, linear first person shooter. Linear first person shooter. Okay. Yeah. I want right. corridor levels like no other. Okay. So what's your gameplay elements here? In terms of what? I mean, w- within this linear first person shooter, do you want it to all be action based? Do you want there to be gameplay elements that aren't strictly action based? Do you want there to be puzzle solving? Do you want there to be I would get I would say no mini puzzle. games? Do you want it to be like Doom's take on a shooter where you're trying to have a Day rhythm to it? Do you Deus Ex. Okay. Okay. So moving mm-hmm. Deus Ex to a first person perspective. Yep. Deus okay. Ex is first person. Would there be PvP elements or anything like that? No. 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 You'd be no. single player? All right. ESRB a, rating. You could have a multi oh hard M mm. if not AO. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, M for sure. Uh and then primary console. Nintendo Switch. <laughs> <laughs> see the blood and guts in the lowest resolution in industry possible and no, i'm kidding with joy cons so studio publisher behind this mm. hear me out okay monolith okay okay you know who i'm talking about right I'm not sure. I, I, which monolith? Not monolith soft. Okay. The team behind fear. Yes. Fear two. Yes. yes. That's a better answer than I had. Yes. Okay. Who, yes. Who'd you have in mind? Yes. Um, <clears throat> Bungie. I'm, I don't hate it. No, I don't hate it either, but they feel a little too plotting for John Wick. Like yeah. it, it, it is the right answer. It's a good answer. I, I agree with that because they're, here, they're known for very smooth gameplay. Here's the thing about the game. except I would say, except on harder difficulties, it's auto-aim hell. Because the point is to be going through fast. You're right. Yeah, that's, you're right. That's how the game plays. But I think the thing is, it would almost be interesting as like you can take cover and you can use the buttons in different ways, but you hit it and you snap to a guy and you shoot him, but you're, you have to get in and out of cover like that. That might be fun. Okay. Or <clears throat> So someone who's not watched any of the John Wick movies, but I kind of just know what they are and I know how they work to some degree. If you watch one uh, so clip, this, you'll know how the game plays. <laughs> exactly. So my point here is I have another answer that's kind of weird and another gameplay shift kind of in general. You okay. played it recently, so that's why I'm kind of liking this. You remember Ghost Runner? Yeah. Ghost Runner style gameplay, first yeah. person, that kind of speed, that kind of accuracy and pace to the gameplay, mm-hmm. but first person John Wick. That's I think that perfect. that's a really good hit. You and get you, you get the first the person slides. You can you can do your you know you you'd add melee in, so it's almost like if you took Ghost Runner and mixed it in with like um, <clears throat> excuse me, mixed it in with um, uh, Mirror's Edge, kind of blended those two together where you have guns and melee and you can melee and take guns and use guns against people. And I think you have a cool, cool game. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm with you on that. So, um, 
I don't know exactly who the person would be dev-wise on that. I mean, I guess you could give it to Dice. They they made Mirror's Edge, and I think Mirror's Edge does have a good flow. Or you could just give it uh, to the guys who made Ghost Runner. Ghost Runner. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, probably be a little more budget friendly at that. Want to hear my interesting one? <clears throat> What's that? Here's my the one that I came up with. I think is interesting. Catch me if you can. Okay, he's talking about the the magician movie. No, I'm talking about the Leonardo DiCaprio movie where he's like a bank robber or whatever. Oh, him and Tom Hanks. Yeah, I'm thinking of Now You See Me. No, yeah, or whatever it's called. That would be a good one, though. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I know what you're talking about, though. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What's funny is I had one a second ago, but I kind of got really into that uh, John Wick. That that John Wick game. I think we may have just made something. That would have been. Yeah, it's a good. Sounds like a good game. I'm not really against that. that. Um, oh, I know what I was going to say. Uh, or at least I know the game I had in mind. So now I'm trying to think of what the movie was. Um, Avatar? Would it be an open world game, kind of like Fire Cry? Where you <laughs> no, it wouldn't be an open world game. Um, well, the, it's funny. It's so specific the way I was thinking about it. I, I'm trying to think of what movie I was originally thinking to tie it into. But it'd be like a horror game. So I, I think it was Saw. And I think you take the idea of Saw and you mix that in with... Did you ever play the Condemned games from Sega? Yes. Those are great. And you kind of blend those two. You kind of take Saw's like weird, crazy humor and you go into a first-person game just like that. And you're going through these environments of all these crazy traps. So it's almost like a Saw 2 set up to where it's a much bigger scale and you have more room to move around within these areas um and you have to interact with people sometimes you'll be alone sometimes you'll be with other people and you just have to figure things out you puzzle solve in weird ways within that um i think that could work i think there's been a saw video game but i think that taking more cues from condemned would would work in that setup would it be saw though I don't know. That's a hard one because you I think I don't think Saw it have to be it have to be decision based no matter what. You know what I mean? Like you would it would almost have to be like permutations based off of what you do. See, it and, feels to me like the game you're describing here with Saw is the witness, but with dialogue sections. Because <laughs> Saw puzzle has game to be, from Jonathan Blow. Yes, Saw has. To I've be never a puzzle played it, game. so I just remember it exists. Game? Uh, yeah, know, that's what I yeah, mean. Yeah, Saul has so. to be a puzzle game. It can be, which I mean, even Condemned is primarily a puzzle game. Like, yes, there's action within it because you have to fight bad. Yeah, but it's it's a puzzle game for being yeah. honest. Yeah. So you know, how fast can you solve each trap or something like that? It's like a fort. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, it would almost be interesting to have it be one of those games that's kind of like the uh, Heavy Rain and Detroit, mm. where you if you know you play as multiple people, and if you die as one, they just stay dead, and you have to keep going. And the goal is to try and get through the entire game. And if so you, you want can, like you a beat super it. massive saw uh, saw game, it's funny. It's like a super massive saw game, but I also almost think it would be interesting for it to be roguelite. Oh, to where. You ha- you get given reasons to want to keep replaying it to see if you can figure out. So it's almost like a death loop thing where you're going to keep working through and trying to figure out the answers and see if you can do them in time to solve the mystery and figure out who's who and why they're doing yeah, what. Yeah, you have like a clock on you or something like that. Yeah, exactly. I like that. I think that could be cool. That would be cool. That was a good question. Uh, all right, next question we have here is a, a one from Rude Days ninety three. Another one. This Weekend one's fun. But this one's <laughs> this one's that seems like a point and click game. It does. It's a <laughs> like an old LucasArts <laughs> point and click game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's fucking uh Day of the Tentacle. Just 
weekend at Bernie's. Yes, I like that. I'm, I'm not against that. That sounds pretty bad. all right. All right. Next question is a big one. And I think you're going to have to help me here to some degree, Chris. I, I understand the basic premise, but I'm not big on sports. You know this. So it says, not sure if you guys are big college football guys, but right yeah. now the big story, there is college schools switching conferences to help better themselves. So applying that logic to video games, what studios would you switch from their current publishers to join another publisher to help improve themselves? Also, you can combine weaker publishers if you want to. Something happening with weaker conferences in college football. All he's saying is like, take Insomniac from Sony and give them to Activision because it improves. And their, how would that benefit them? Yeah. yeah. And, and why would it be an improvement for them? Um, okay. I think this one's interesting because mm. I think sometimes there's developers where you're like, I see the potential, but I have a feeling that you are being held back by something that you're in relation to here. Yeah. Um, ooh, that one's interesting. Okay. It's weird because. Uh, I think Ubisoft has a good number of those and it's harder for me to straight nail them as individual teams. But I think Ubisoft has had a number of games where I'm playing it. I'm like, dude, this is so on the cusp of being one of the greatest games of all time. But you're kind of getting that, you know, push to the co- the lowest common denominator homogeny The you have to get this game out by this time, uh, you know, rinse and repeat aspects that you sometimes get. I can see that. Who are you sending them to? Or do you not have a okay? Because I have a. I, have I think a, it's a, someone a, focused. I actually think, as weird as this is, and this is not because I'm a big PlayStation fan, but I think PlayStation's kind of known for letting people kind of mostly hone their craft. Yeah, I would have probably used to have said send them to someone like Take Two or more specifically Rockstar, but I think Rockstar have kind of checked out in favor. It, it's hard to say. I think to some degree they've checked out in favor of what they can do from a monetary standpoint because they've landed on two franchises they can rotate through and make money for the rest of their life. Um, So it's got to be someone who's hungry but gives their teams the time and space that Ubisoft and a company like that. Like I don't think an EA would work. You don't want to go to a publisher like that. I have a proposal. I don't think the company is big enough for this. Okay. 505. Okay. What about them? That's give what you want to Ubisoft. send them to? Yeah. Give them, at least give them some of those specific teams, like the UBR teams. Give, no, see, I see. Ubisoft is a good, almost like just talking point in general, because I would say, like, the UBR teams, those guys specializing in that, give them a devolver. They're so good. Give them a devolver. Yeah, like, I agree. Um, or, or, I'll, I'll throw this, if, if not devolver, Annapurna. Uh, Annapurna is a good one, too. Yeah. Make yeah. another Silent Hill game. Um, Shit, like they're bigger teams. I would say, I would say, put like give Assassin's Creed to five hundred five, and see what they they're able to do with it. Because I think five hundred five in those types of games they do pretty well. They're never perfect, but they're interesting. And I think I would take a worse Assassin's Creed game if they were more interesting. I have an answer that people are probably not going to like. Okay, <laughs> um, but I at least understand my reasoning. Okay, I think. BioWare are trapped in this thing of where EA has very specific expectations of them. Just gonna say Microsoft. No, 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 no. Good, good. Because I would have been bad. (laughs) I want this is a really weird one. But the reason I say this is because I think we saw proof of this on a smaller scale with a different game. I want to give BioWare's know-how and talent 
but keep the kind of budget they get, but move them over to someone who understands that with time and a certain willingness to allow things to happen, you can get a big hit on your hands. And I would send them to Focus Home Interactive as their publisher. Because yeah. I think Focus has a very good track record of letting teams build up things. And I think what Focus did with Spotters in uh, Greedfall is a good indicator of what giving a, uh, a team like BioWare the freedom they need to not be constrained by big AAA standards within a publisher like EA who has certain expectations of how much something's going to sell and give it to someone with a little bit more patience and a little more willingness to take big risk. And I think you get a great game. Yeah. I like that. I just I think um, BioWare have lost a certain element. I'd say this. Every BioWare release since BioWare has gotten with EA <coughs> is less and less magical than the one before it, I, in my opinion. They lost the doctors. That's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> doctors got paid I mean, and went to hang out on the beach. Good for them. Yeah, and I can't <clears> blame <throat> them at all. I mean, no, I no. understand where it is, but they've lost everyone that really made Bioware Bioware. But I wonder so if you can get Bioware back to some degree by moving to someone who would be willing to be like, well, even though you aren't that Bioware, if you want to make these types of games, have a blast. Um, THQ Nordic is a really interesting publisher because I think that they have another track record of letting people sometimes giving people too much rope, potentially. But I think that they've done a lot of games that I don't think any other publisher would have ever done. I don't think I can name another publisher who would have released Biomutant. Okay. Who, who would have even greenlit it, to be honest with you. <coughs> Fair. That's partially because I'm pretty sure THQ Nordic is a front for money laundering. Yes. <laughs> Yes, that's a it's half joke, half serious. I don't see how they have as much money as they do to spend. Um, Big question for THQ. It might not be them, but it's in the family. Where's the uh, Kings of Amalur DLC? (laughs) All right. Just doesn't exist. My (laughs) assumption is that game once more did not sell well enough. And that sucks because it's so good. I'm sorry. It's awesome. Fantastic. It's a great game. Go buy it. Um, Okay. Here's one for you. Kind of the opposite of what you were saying. Um, I would take Deep Silver. And opposite of what you were saying in a lot of ways, because I would take Deep Silver and give them the Rockstar. And be like, no. make Saints Row, but make it fun. Here's our expertise. Mm, that one's weird, though, because it, is your goal there to try and bring Saints Row to more Grand Theft Auto stylings? No, more Grand Theft Auto quality. Yeah, because the reason I say that is I think if you go to that route, you get too close to Grand Theft Auto to where you start having too much bleed over. Yeah, but, but I, I think mean, you're right. Close to Grand Theft Auto. I think you're. I think you're right in the way that you're approaching this. But I think them actually ending up at uh, where what we've seen so far, at least, is that they ended up at um, Borderlands uh, Gearbox? Gearbox. Yeah. I don't know that Gearbox is actually a bad spot for them if they could still work on Saints Row from within there. Yeah. But I don't know. It's not Deep Silver. It's not the dev, is it? No, it's not. Uh, it's it's uh, Volition. Volition, yeah. Yeah, Vol- Deep Silver owns them. So, yeah, I, I would still say Volition. Even if you say go to Volition to take two, and then we're going to send you guys to a retreat at Rockstar for a month or two, and you can learn from them, you know, that uh, would take. Yeah, so we've said this for a bit, but I think sending... Uh, Sending Bend before they got broken up by Sony for not 
doing what Sony wanted at the level that Sony wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if you send the Days Gone team of Ben <laughs> that was there and you send them the CD Projekt Red, that clearly is a team that is willing to give the breadth, the time, the development needed to make a game of Days Gone scope and scale and style uh, and be more forgiving than someone like Sony could and would be. Sadly. Um, okay. That's an interesting one. I'm going to go ahead and just propose a straight-up trade. Okay? Ooh. Okay. Microsoft is going to be putting up the Coalition. Oh, and they're going to okay. be trading them to Sony for Bend. Okay. So what's your goal here? What's your, what's your end product for both studios once they switch hands? I think Days Gone would be a really cool Gears game. And I want to know what the Coalition would do not saddled to Gears. I want to see what they do not saddle to Gears, but is that also, this is completely, it's technically a little ta- uh, tangent, but isn't the next game from the Coalition not a Gears game? I don't know. Is that true? Isn't that the rumor? Well, it might be a rumor, but we have we don't know that yet. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's not confirmed, or at least they've not announced a game, but they may have at least confirmed that they're working on a non-Gears game. Whether or not okay, this is the day. latest thing. February 2nd, 2023. Gears 6 is the Coalition's next game, non-Gears Project Cancelled report on GameStop. Oh my god. So, <laughs> no. no, they're making Gears. <laughs> no. And here's the thing, they're a good Gears studio. This is The Coalition is not 343. Um, the Coalition is better at their respective position than 343 has been for Halo, yeah. Right. I'll give you that. So... I would like to see them make something. Or they've been more consistent, I should at least say. 343 mm-hmm. is like up and down. <laughs> that's that's the problem. So, Sticking with right, Microsoft, that was a fun one. Obsidian goes to CD Projekt Red. Um, I like Obsidian over there. In Exile, I guess they actually are pretty, in a pretty good spot with Microsoft. In Exile goes to Bethesda's Game One Studio. No, I'm just uh, this is another thing. Uh, the, this goes to just because I think Sony excels at this type of game, so it's the one that they can see letting the risk take. I think Remedy going to PlayStation is actually a very beneficial thing for the way Remedy likes to make games. Yeah, um, I see no way that them going to PlayStation would be a negative for them <laughs> in terms of what they'd be allowed to make. The negative might be that Sony doesn't think that what they bring in for the games they make is justifiable for Sony's ownership of them. And that might be a problem because I think Remedy make excellent games, but they're always constrained somewhere because of the fact that they're independent, which I love. And it gives them the ability to make a weird game like Control, which is an excellent game. Uh, And it lets them make a weird game like Alan Wake or Alan Wake 2. I don't know if you see any of their games without them being independent, but that independence comes at its own cost. Yeah, but I feel like you get to a certain point when you're independent where even if you got bought, you're getting bought because of what you've been doing. So you're right. why would someone stop? If you buy you Remedy at it? this point, you're, yeah, you're buying not. Remedy for Remedy games. You're not gonna be like, hey, make a game in the Horizon universe. It's not gonna happen. You're probably right. <laughs> I would hope All it right. doesn't happen anyway. Got a couple more questions here. Or oh, we got one more, and then I think Velvet, I know that you listen to the show for this, but this has been a longer episode than I think any of us intended. It's been a fun episode to me, yeah, but like um We'll see. We'll see how you feel, Chris. Uh, Jehudi MD comes in with our last question. 
And I think this one's a little easier. He says, what's your opinion on the recent Union Square debacle? Do you think streamers, YouTubers, influencers should be allowed to give away prizes in such a way? So I'm going to tell you right now. I do know that some kind of weird outbreak happened in Union Square. I don't know what the giveaway was for. PS5. That's it? Yeah. And people were like destroying and rioting and stomping on cars? Yeah. It wasn't controlled. It was just one dude being like, I'm going to be in Times Square giving away a game, uh, PS5, and everyone showed up. <laughs> okay. Uh, here you go, Chris. Maybe this isn't as easy as I thought it'd be. Um, here's my quick and easy answer. Um, Union Square is a public place meant to be used for public reasons. Ultimately, while this may have went down poorly... I think it falls within the in the intended use of a public space. And just because someone chose to use that public space to do a public giveaway, uh, I do not think that they should be held responsible, nor should people be barred from doing so just because certain people acted a fool. Now, if that individual himself acted a fool or egged on the foolishness, then he should be responsible for his part of it. But I don't think that you should take away the ability for people to use public spaces and, and otherwise, you know, the, the act of giving something away is not inherently bad for the society or the community around only the way that people act in pursuit of the giveaway. I don't know, man. If you rent out like Central Park for a party, it's a very expensive party, but you get the gist of what I'm saying. You rent out Central Park for a party and then you destroy it, you're being held liable for that. I feel like it's, it would be the same on the street, especially when like you know he knew how many people were going to show up. He's a very popular Twitch streamer. Be like if you fill the fill the house with crumbs, and we're like, oh, why is it filled with rats? Like you know, you started an issue with knowledge that it was going to become an issue. So I do think there's a level of personal responsibility you have to take. Where if you know that twenty thousand people are going to show up and cause problems because it's twenty thousand people, and you have no barrier to protect protect the people around them. I do think that's weird, but I don't necessarily disagree with you. But I think once that becomes, I think the thing is, once there starts to be damage and there's one person who can be blamed, that person will be blamed, whether it's right or not. You know, uh, I think that they'll be blamed societally, and I think that's fine. You, there are repercussions for your actions. I just don't know. The, the question is, should they be allowed to? Which I think is becomes a legal no, question. And, and, and my yes. view of yeah, my view of legal things is. There's no legal reason why you should take away that ability. It is a, it's a public place, and the act of giving a PS5 away is not inherently dangerous. If the act of the giveaway was you get a PS5 if you destroy the most stuff, the action that's being compelled is bad. And I think <laughs> at some point you reach into a you – you are essentially inciting yeah. violence, which is already illegal. I think um, the, the correct answer here is he's allowed to do it, and he should have been – self-aware and courteous enough to alert people and have security there. I think those, yeah. I think those two ideas can coexist. Yeah. There's definitely a more responsible way to have handled this. Exactly. I don't think anybody is, uh, is fighting there. All right, Chris, I'm going to tell you what the, what the velvet's corner is and see how we feel about continuing on with it. Here's, here's um, what we'll say. Hard stop after like seven minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Best All right. Love is 
We'll see if you agree with this or not. All right. Velvet this week. I, I here's the thing. I don't even know if I want to go into the the sexy theme song if we're not if we're not going to commit. I'm down to do it. All right. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. This will be a three hour episode, and that's fine. So, as always, this is the section of the show where we get sexy. Thank you for sending in questions. I know this is a very different episode. It was so focused around questions, but it was a good time. There's not a lot going on in the news. Uh, so we hope you appreciated that. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we're at Triangle SQRD. Uh, you can find Chris at Chris underscore Figs. I think it's Chris Figs underscore. I think you're correct. Sorry. You're <laughs> you can follow us uh, on Discord by clicking the description uh, in below, and there's a link inside of that. And we hope to see you around next time. If you want to be part of the community's take, which we'll give you in just a second, head over to any of those spots where we'll call out and give you a chance to respond and chime into that. Chris, what should the community's take be this week? I don't know. I think <laughs> this is a weird episode for community's take, so here's what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to propose this, and you can tell me what you think. Okay. Take one of the questions and answer it yourself. That one's hard because it's harder to give a call to action on. That's fine. But I, I like the spirit. That's fine. That's fine. It shows if you listen to the show. We get one response. That's great. We didn't talk about much news. We didn't talk about very much. You want to talk to me about Baldur's Gate? Write in about Baldur's Gate. But if you listen to all <laughs> of the show, take one of the questions we answered and answer it yourself. I'm fine with that. That's good. All right. All right communities, take. Take a question. Answer the question. Let's hear your thoughts on those. But without further ado, we bid you adieu as we go into the sexiest part of the show, and that is... Velvet's Corner. Brett, my birthday. My birthday is November 10th. (laughs) And you want it fixed by then? Yes, I want it fixed for my birthday. (laughs) If I write write you an entire epic... (laughs) You can write me whatever you want as long as it finishes. (laughs) I'll I'll experiment. My birthday episode should should be that song, but there's like a rock opera like halfway through it. It should be like a five-minute song in the middle of the episode that you make. That's my birthday present. Okay, I got you. Tenacious D inspired. uh, The 10th is a Friday, so we've got... I've got time to make this happen. You do. We'll figure it out. Okay. Here we go. Velvet's Corner this week. Velvet says, this week I've thought up a completely original and unique question, all on my own with no outside influence at all. Uh, What video game characters would you choose to be on the Jersey Shore? (laughs) (laughs) P.S. Tell Chris he was right about Midnight Suns. It's fun as hell. Yes. God. One right, Wolf is playing Marvel Snap, Velvet's playing Midnight Suns. I'm winning on this episode. Winning. I'm telling you. This is a winning. Chris wins episode. Should I have that in the title? Yes. Triangle Squared episode 315. Chris wins. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here's what I propose, Chris. And you can All tell right. me if you feel otherwise. I feel what you should do is I'm going to pull up the cast of the Jersey Shore. Yeah. And then what I want us to do is look at each of the of the main cast members and find a video game character to replace their role within the Jersey Shore. And it doesn't have to be a, a, a for sure anything. Just a general, they're going to take on the role of the antagonist, you know, or whatever it be. We're going to try and look at who they are. 
It would help it. if I had actually watched the Jersey Shore, but I hate reality TV. Dude, are you not a I hate disciple that of type GTL? of reality? No, I'm not. I don't even know what that means. Actually, it means Jim tanning laundry, bro. <laughs> oh, I knew that because uh, which one? Hold on, Polly. I don't think it was Polly D. Who was it? it? Was Vinny? Was it Ronnie? Oh, it was Polly D. Ronnie, and it was a uh, situation. GTL, uh, I think. Well, my point here, I don't remember which of them came on to the hard times of RJ Berger as his cousin, but that came into that episode because he was like, we got a GTA. He's like, what does that mean? And he's like, Jim, Tan. Yeah. Laundry. Laundry. You know, most of my uh, knowledge or most of my interactions with the Jersey Shore are weird random clips online and then that episode of South Park where all of them become Jersey Shore and mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, you garbage. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you want to know a fun fact about me? Yes. Um, my senior quote in my yearbook was a Jersey Shore quote from the situation. Wow. Yeah. I am very proud of you. Thank you. It's a great quote. It was, uh, I'll be flipping pancakes while people are punching each other in the face. And who said that? The situation. The situation. Yep. Okay. All right. So here's the question we have here. From what I'm understanding, the cast for the Jersey Shore changed a little bit. Not big, but there was a couple people who came in and later seasons. Oh, Oh, yeah. There was that girl who left after like two episodes. Couldn't hang. Uh, So apparently seasons one and two was uh, Angelina. Yep, she's the, I think she's the one who left. And then three through six was Dina Nicole Cortez. Cortez, I don't know. So Good we're Lord. just looking at who are we looking. We're we looking at Polly D, J Wow, Sammy, Vinny, Ronnie, yeah, Snooky. The situation is yes. that who we're going for? That's it. And yes, yeah, Sammy. Okay, yeah, we, we got Sammy in here. Perfect. So, Chris, I'm going to rely on your knowledge, but I'm also going to rely on this biography to some degree. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the biography within their Wikipedia page. I so let's that. start with let's start with Polly D. So it says Del Vecchio is a disc jockey from Johnston, Rhode Island, outside of Providence. He strikes up a brief romance with fellow castmate Farley, but the relationship does not progress. Okay, that gives us some information. Um, and he was nominated for a best DJ competition. Yeah. So what can you tell me about Polly D that you think is important to his character and his um, role he, within the Jersey Shore? He's got great hair. Great hair. Um, okay. He's a guy who never gets committed to. Very sad for him. Okay. Um, okay. And he's he tans a lot. He's a very tan man. Okay. So first thought process here is to go basically the exact opposite for him and completely oppose his role. You can tell me if you follow me, but instead of being very tan, what about someone who's very pale? What about someone who instead that never gets committed to someone who never commits to anybody? Oh, God. Okay. (laughs) What if we replace Paula D with Kratos? Because I'm going to be honest right now. Kratos has got to be somewhere in the Jersey Shore. Ronnie. You think he's a Ronnie? Yeah. I'm willing to hear you out. What about Ronnie do you think correlates him to where Kratos is a good look fit at him. for him? All right. Let me look at Ronnie. <laughs> All right. Ronnie Ortiz. Damn you, Wikipedia. You can't even 
You can't even show me a picture. Okay, so he's a big beefcake guy. Yes. Big buff burly man. Is that yeah. it? That's the only reason. Yeah, and he was quiet on the show. He was in a committed relationship, but then um, it was found out that. But Ronnie then he was killed his wife. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was actually found out through a note left to Sam that Ronnie was seen hooking up with a girl at a club. I think that's how it goes. So. They get, oh, was was that is the Sam the girl of, from the show? Yeah, I feel like finding out your boyfriend kissed a girl at the club and murdering your wife under the influence of the gods. I think that fits together personally. Okay, so we have Ronnie crossed off the list. Well, let me give you my poly D. You can tell me how you feel. Okay, um, Ezio Auditory. Okay, it's funny that you go Ezio. Because mm-hmm. I was also thinking, if not, which there's the Italian part that helps Ezio. Let's just be honest yeah, that's here. Fair. <clears throat> My initial thought, he if not Ezio, he got us the ghoul. I was going to go <laughs> Assassin's Creed, but I was wondering about going with um, how am I forgetting his name now? Desmond? The dude from Unity. No, the dude from Unity. Oh, I, I don't know. I don't remember anything about that game. He was like a drunk. He just ran around <laughs> talking shit. He's a drunk Frenchman, if I remember right. Let me get his name real quick. Arno. Arno Dorian. I got a statue of Arno, but yeah. I mean, sure. Yeah, you did. But I think Ezio is the better answer. All right. So tell me why. Because you know that I've only played Brotherhood. or I think you know that. Yeah. Uh, I played two for two hours and fell off of it, and I never played Revelations. And those Revelations are the three SEO games. But I did play Brotherhood, and I loved Brotherhood, and I loved the multiplayer of Brotherhood. So I, t- paint me a word picture. swagger. Um, mm-hmm. He's, you know, very swaggy kind of guy. You know, hooks mm-hmm. up with girls, but doesn't stay with them. You know, hit it and quit it. Blah, 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 blah. But I think the So he never gets here, committed to? No. I think Ezio might at the end. He does have a family. He's a lineage, you know. Uh is hmm. I think Ezio fits Paul it fits Polly the best. Okay, That's and, and let me say this. Would you what like do you think back? about what do you think about Ezio and Kratos make their the two of their potential interactions funny within the Jersey Shore. And I'm not saying that, that it isn't. I'm just curious as to what your version as you're as we're building this list, how do you think these characters interact with each other? I think it would be something like Rezio was like, okay, I'm very glad I caught myself because I was about to do an offensive impression. I, I think Ezio would do something like, oh hey, and then start telling like jokes and being all all jokey, which I feel like was a poly D thing. I, mean, I haven't seen the show since I was a kid when I used to DVR it. But, <laughs> but I All think right. the thing with Kratos is we would, throughout the seasons, it would be building that Kratos doesn't find Ezio funny. But then, like, right as they're about to leave the house, like a single tear rolls down Kratos's face and he goes, Thank you for keeping me entertained, boy. And then leaves the home and they never see each other again. That's how I think the arc, their arc goes in the story, you know. But so I think there's un- small stuff like unlikely find allies. Out, yeah, but uh, there's small stuff like Kratos feels protective over Ezio, so like you find out in like one of those like behind the scenes things that Kratos has murdered like fifty Templars who were trying to kill Ezio. You know, stuff like that. You know, that makes them you re- you know how much he cares. So here's the thing. 
the closest I can tell you about my interaction with reality TV is uh, whenever they lampooned it with Drawn Together. <laughs> Which I don't know if you saw, but drawn together is hilarious. So you got to think about all the weird ways in which these characters uh, interact. So I do think that to some degree, you have to have characters that are way out of line. I'm going to give you one person who I think may be a better fit for Pauly D. And if you veto it, I'm completely fine with it. But I think it it creates the interesting antics that would make for a funny show. So are we just casting a, <clears throat> a reality TV show at this point? But under the auspices of it being... A little it's bit a reality rowdy, TV like show expect. called Jersey Shore, is more what we're saying. I'm fine. Yes. All right. Fuck it. We just need to right, replace listen. enough of the cast. This is where Paul D comes in, though, and I think right. he's a better fit across the board because there's DJ here. He's cool. He's hip. Right. Parappa Not known rapper. for being, you know, committed to, but he's kind of cool. Parappa the rapper. That's exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly it. You landed on it. I think Parappa the rapper is the Paul D of the series. I agree. And can I just say? I think we've stumbled upon the secret best possible PlayStation Productions show. (laughs) (laughs) Bringing different PlayStation characters into a home together to have to deal with each other. But live action. So it's people in costumes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I think taking the drawn together route and having it be animated would be hilarious. Like drinking a house with Parappa. I would almost like it to be the weird kind of animation that like Amazing World of Gumball uses where like everybody's animated based off of what they are. So I would like for Parappa to be like flat paper animated, but then Kratos (laughs) looks like 3D CGI animated. (laughs) Spider-Man just swings in. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like the old school PS1 Spider-Man. Okay. I like that. Yes. I have an idea for uh, the situation. I feel, okay, like, yes. I feel like this doesn't even warrant discussion because I think it's the perfect answer. It's Duke Nukem. <laughs> yes. Okay. okay. Here's Let's the only thing. On. Oh, I boy. agree with you. And the only thing I would say is Kratos and Duke Nukem in the same place. They feel, they feel similar-ish. That's the tension. No, they're not similar. Duke Nukem is an asshole womanizer, and Kratos is a man who respects women but uses them to open, hold open doors. Do you know what I mean? I mean, he he clearly just sleeps with women like crazy. I don't think he respects them. But I don't know if he's disrespectful. You know, you hear the difference there? Okay. All right. I'll give you that. Yeah. But I also like the idea that they're both like alpha, you know, alpha males that are, and that they would just clash with each other. This is the velvet corner. So I feel comfortable saying this. Duke Nukem fucks. Kratos makes love. Most I don't know, man. Time. Did you ever did you ever twist yes. those analog sticks? Oh, I twisted analog. I felt like sticks. I was playing fucking Dragon Ball Z Budokai. You just hundred <laughs> percent. Just because it's rough love doesn't mean it's not love, bro. <laughs> you know what? You're right. I know that. Spanker I'm out of love. Um, okay. Is okay. Sammy just Laura Croft? Is that a boring answer? So here's the thing. I'm less familiar with the women, so I'm trying to think through. Uh, I'm, I'm willing to go Sammy. So we're going to say Duke Nukem, Kratos, yeah. Parappa the Rapper. <laughs> I love this already. Um, all right. So we have Sammy Jersey Shore. Is that, is that who I'm looking <clears throat> yeah. at here? Sammy Giancola. Giancola? 
All right. So it's going to be who are we talking? The modern Laura, Laura Croft or the old school Laura Croft? Who are we talking? Okay. Reboot I have Laura actually, Croft or? I have actually, actually a great idea. Okay. Do you see. Um, Where does Chloe come into this? Because Chloe from Uncharted is going to be in this fucking series somewhere. She can be Angelina because she leaves and then comes back later. Okay. So here's. You're a smart man. Thank you. Here's my thought Jay Wow. Old Laura okay. Croft from the PS1 era. Sammy is new Laura Croft. <laughs> and we have to deal with them being at ends with each other because they're yes. similar but different. Exactly. Mm. They're best friends, but they hate each other. They both mm-hmm. sleep with Duke Nukem. Okay. We're coming to one of the most difficult parts of the of the casting. Who is, is it, Snooky? Is it Vinny? <laughs> Who's Snooky? <sighs> Who do we pull in as a replacement for Snooky in this in this world? Who is an obnoxious female character? Kelly Chambers. Kelly Chambers. The chick who reads your messages in Mass Effect. <laughs> <laughs> I also feel like Ashley from Resident Evil 4, the original release, might That's be funny somewhere bad, in here. That's not a bad one. For Snooky? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's not a bad one. Okay, hold on. Which of the girls is like overtly sexual? All of them. <laughs> bad question. This Which one of kind of sassy? Okay, I got I got a I got a thing. J Wow. No, okay, she was J-Wow. With no, Samuel was with Ronnie. Okay, who's Bayonetta? J-Wow. J-Wow's Bay- That's what I was going to say. Okay, yeah, so tall, Bayonetta. Leggy, yeah, there hair. we go. Yeah, leggy uh, brunette. So there we go. We've got this figured out. <clears throat> yeah. I think also a house where you have Bayonetta and Kratos. Crazy stuff might start happening. Let's just that's throw that a, out there. <laughs> that's, how you, that's how Atreus comes to be. <laughs> <laughs> that's... <laughs> That's how Atreus comes to be. Okay, so we come back around. Vinny. Who have we not figured out right now? Vinny. We've not figured out Vinny. And we've not... Who'd you say Sammy was? Did you go with Sammy being one of the Laura Crofts, right? Yeah, I think we said... No, you said J-Wow was going to be one, but we've already changed J-Wow, which I'm okay with. I'm I'm good with... I think Bayonetta's a better J-Wow. Yeah, I'm fine with that. And I think Um, Bayonetta's interaction with people, because she's like quippy, I think I think she's fun in the house. Hear me out. Hear interacting, me out. we need a goody shoe two, two shoes character, which I feel like Parappa Ra- the rapper kind of fits. No, but I, I just I, want interacting like crazy interactions. I have one. I got to think of her name because she wasn't on the show. So Dina, okay, Dina, Dina, okay, Celine from Returnal. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. Hear me out. Okay. I don't know who the who the character would be with the, that they'd be replacing necessarily. Uh, we've said that Angelina was Chloe. I like that. I want one more wacky character somewhere in here, either a silent protagonist because I just think that's fucking hilarious. They're dealing with everything, and I wouldn't you love to see a scene where the whole house is going crazy and you just have the silent protagonist and they just leave the room and it's like Link going into a room and he just starts going. <laughs> And breaking all the goddamn like, like bases in the, the walk house. in and start screaming. 
Um, that's how he deals with everything. So um, one of our bit characters is the main character from Quiet Man. <laughs> okay. I like that. It'd be more funny that he's just there at all times, but isn't he deaf? Yeah. So I like to think that he just always thinks everything's fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's exactly. just sitting on the couch having a good time. And like him and Parappa the Rapper are like playing Uno together or something <laughs> while like Kratos and Bayonetta are like fighting and then they throw each other into the wall. They start fucking. And then yeah. like Chloe is getting hit on by Duke Nukem and she's not giving it up. And Duke is just trying to like womanize her. Yeah. And that's when okay. we get a cameo appearance. Every time Kratos and Bayonetta have sex, they destroy parts of the house. So we get a cameo from. I like the- this the mouse button from city skylines to fix the home (laughs) the sims yeah (laughs) that'd be good too all right so here's my other guest character that i think would just be fun to introduce into the show uh conquer from bad conquer's their pet what if it's okay i have a better idea i like that that's good that's better than actually it's conquer no oh Oh, 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 oh. Okay, we're gender bending here the wrong way in 2023. But, oh my God, what are those old school? And they had a, I think there's a PS4 game and I think there's a PS3 game. It's highly inappropriate. Very sexual. Yes, he's Snooky. Please How about we split Snooki. We we split Snooky into two characters, okay. and they they roommate together. Like they have to sleep in the same room, and it's Conquer and Leisure Suit Larry. Yes, but the joke is that Ratchet, uh, that Jack and Daxter turned down the show, so <laughs> they're forced together <laughs> to be. <laughs> And yeah. Conquer rides and, on Leisure and, and Suit. Conquer is supposed to be like uh, Le- Le- Larry's pet. Right, and it's just exactly. not going down right. And they talk to each other, but they hate each other at the same time. So my mm-hmm. Vinny. So you have either, Conquer up on his shoulder, like running around his yes, back and shit. Exactly. Yeah. But every once in a while during the episode, he has to like save himself because Conquer's about to stab him because he hates him so much. <laughs> okay. I think as a guest All character, right, so, the house pet should be a cat, but the twist at the end is that it's been blinks this whole time. Okay, okay. I like that. But we didn't cast Vinny, and I think Vinny is an easy... Well, there's three I have. I thought Originally, I thought easy Drake, because Nathan Drake has to be here. But I think you can also pivot I I agree with you, though, I understand. McGrath. Or change archetype a little bit, but kind of say that play the same cheerleader role, and Vinny is replaced by Zeke from Infamous. I like that better. Zeke is more of a character, and mm-hmm. I think he gets to be a very annoying person to Kratos, which is good yeah. because you get to have that. But then Zeke is also like super friendly with like Parappa and Quiet Man. Yeah. So you, you get these like <clears throat> weird alliances and weird like I hate that guy and I don't want to see him anymore. So like mm-hmm. who else hates Zeke? Do you think Bayonetta would be like, oh, Zeke? Like, because you know, Zeke's kind of a womanizer too. Yeah. I think and then Zeke, Zeke is trying. And see, Zeke, another reason that Kratos would hate Zeke is because Zeke would be buddy-buddy with Duke Nukem. 100%. Right? 
Yeah, they'd be drinking beers, talking about women and all these. Chewing you know, bubble one gum. of my favorite, one of my favorite infamous things was that the entire Festival of Blood <laughs> DLC was just uh, Zeke at a Zeke bar, at a bar yeah. recanting a fake story about <clears throat> Cole and how he knew about it and how he was involved so that he could pick up women. Yeah, that's hilarious. It's so good. I feel like okay. I feel like part of the crux of the show is that. Hold on. I'm sorry. I, I did not mean to interrupt you. You're good. But I have, I, I have a potential for Vinny. Okay. How would you feel about putting Jin Sakai <laughs> as Vinny? It's like sometimes he's just going off and fucking shit up, and sometimes he's sitting there like waxing philosophical writing fucking the problem haikus. With, I think Jin Sakai could be in the house as like one of those characters who you forget is there because he's so quiet. But I don't think he can carry our show because he's so quiet, right? You need someone to be in the fray. And I feel like I Jen Zeke is not is a that good, guy. Zeke is a good yeah. answer. I, I, I refer back to Zeke. I just thought that Jen is funny. Having I all the chaos Jen. go around. I think Jen should be there, but that's the thing with him is he's always meditating or he's always writing haikus, but then they all wake up the next day and there's like little footprints with blood on, on the carpet kind of thing. Yeah, he's like that one because uh, you know my wife got really into watching those dating shows that they yeah. have on, like you know where like it's next twenty people in one house and you got to figure out who the your perfect match is. Yeah, and there's always inevitably like one girl and one boy that they just don't ever really focus on much. Like they may get shown like three times an episode, and every now and then they'll have a whole episode where they go out and do something. But for the most part, the majority of the season just kind of ignores them. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That would be like Jen would be like that. You'd see him, and you'd be like, "Oh, there's Jen." Yeah. And then, and then sometimes he'd be the focus, and then he'd just kind of go in the background again. And that play into the game mechanics because it's when he's choosing to be a ghost versus be a samurai. Yeah, I have one <laughs> crux of all of this. I think that would make for comedy. Okay. So the way this show happens is that Ratchet and Clank are going through different dimensions. And when they leave, they start going through different PlayStation games. And when they go through them, they leave a hole. And these characters get sucked through the hole. But it, there's, no, there's no consistent basis on when it happens, right? So I think here's the thing. We get Greek Kratos, but after Chains of Olympus, so he's a little bit softer. Okay? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. we also get Zeke. He was sucked away. Spoilers for Infamous 2 in 3, 2, 1. He got sucked through the portal mere moments before Cole kills him. So he's like in the worst possible shape of his life. Okay. Okay. Well, spoilers for a, part, a possible ending. Yeah. I'm trying to save us from spoilers today. That, spoiler, getting yelled at for it. I understand. Um, so I think that's part of the crux of it, right? Is mm-hmm. like Laura got sucked through mere moment again moments after she killed the guy. You know, in the first game when they make a big <laughs> yeah. deal about it yeah. before it just becomes normalized and she doesn't react before anymore. she gets a taste of death. Right? And she's like, yeah, this is cool. exactly once she thirsts <laughs> for human blood. No, it's right before that when she's still depressed and freaking out, sucked yeah. through the hole into the house. Mm-hmm. Blinks. Once they stopped making games and he was put on the shelf, it was like 15 years after that. He's just a cat, no longer a time sweeper. That's when he's in. You know, I like this. I, mm. I genuinely think there's low key a good PlayStation production show in here. 
And it would be called what? The Sacred Shores? The Sacred Shore? That'd be its that'd be its That's not bad. Weird name. That's not bad. <laughs> Bayonetta keeps trying to get into a relationship with Kratos, but every time they go like somewhere, he ends up going off to the side and banging. <laughs> See, here's the one problem that we have here. If we're thinking of it as a PlayStation Productions show, we can't have you can't Lynx have and we can't have Bayonetta. Can't have Conquer. Duke Nukem we could probably have. Conquer's easy either. enough because you could just switch him for J- Daxter, but no Jack. I mean, fair. Fair. Yeah. Bayonetta, that's the hardest one. Um, you just switch her out with Nariko, which is not really working. Nar- <laughs> Nariko is not inherently sexual. Like no, the not. like Bayonetta is, it's third party. The girl from Lollipop Chainsaw. Yeah, yeah, you could definitely have third party stuff. In that there. would actually be a great character in there because you'd get her and you'd get her boyfriend, the zombie head. <laughs> the head. Yeah, that's <laughs> there'd good. Be a lot that's of true. Good, good jokes. About so that. who? Are we, I'm good with you. Who who are we replacing with then? Instead of having both Lauras, we're going to replace one of the Lauras with that. No, that was replacing Bayonetta because she's Nintendo. Oh, okay, I got you. I got you. I was trying to think I'm of an overtly sexual character. All right, there we go. And that makes up our cast of the Sacred Shore. Sacred Shore. I like that. Sacred Shore is pretty good. I like It's not that. a bad one. It's not a bad one at all. No. All right, Chris. Oh, no. Oh, no. What? It's called the Games cro- or the Game Crossing. But it's an X. You get it? It's got the symbols mm. and the letters. Mm. Crossing. Mm. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Worlds okay. cross. Maybe. Let's go, let's go to bed, Brett. I think the show. Let's go to over. bed. I'm let's, very let's tired. End the <laughs> All right, guys. That is the end of the sexiest part of the show. Velvet's Corner. That has been a weird episode of Triangle Squared, but you know what? The weird ones are always fun because they're memorable in such a different way. Uh, I don't think I'll ever forget talking about trying to make up a reality TV show featuring game (laughs) characters that you want to interact with in stupid but fun ways. If there is one Sony executive listening, even if you find this in five years because you're listening to the back catalog after Brett and I have blown up, make that show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, You don't have to credit us. You don't have to even tell us it's happening. But if you tell me you're making an animated reality TV show starring PlayStation characters, I will be a sycophant for life. All I ask is that in the in the end credits of the show, one time you put hashtag golf claps for Chris. That? Or they make it even subtler where it's like the PlayStation things come in and then a little bit there's like a big triangle with a little square in the top and then that's it and it just fades down. Yeah. Perfect. That'd be perfect. Yeah, we get nods. We're good with nods. Right. All I need <laughs> is a nod. Look, all we did was give you the prompt. Speaking of which, Chris, you remember how you said if uh, we kept going with pork chops questions as the community stake, we'd have to name a new segment after <laughs> yeah. him? Yeah. His were always prompts, if you think about it. They are. So, Pork's prompts. I, I, I have the section. I have the section name. <laughs> well prompted pork. Pork. Yeah. Pork uh, and prompts. Pork. Yeah. Porks and prompts. There we go. That's a good one too. Yeah. Porky prompts. There we go. Porky Pinky prompts. Prompt. Yeah. Pinky porks. Yeah. 
So there we go. If he, if he, if he sends, I mean, today was one. It was a prompt. What game yeah. do you want to see remake? So uh, if he keeps sending them in, we're gonna, I'm going to have to write a whole new theme song. <laughs> Hopefully he fucking <laughs> finishes it this time. <laughs> 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 all right guys this has been episode 317 good lord uh of triangle squared we look shit. forward to seeing you guys yeah you're way off chris you didn't even know you've used <laughs> you used episode 314 as the news document title for three episodes <laughs> <laughs> that's why you think it's 315 oh, but this God. has been episode 317 of triangle squared a playstation podcast uh we will see you guys next week thank you guys for watching and as always a final shout out to our patrons of course you know who you are you went over to patreon.com slash nartech give as little as a dollar per month which helps keep the show afloat keeps it free for everyone else those thanks go to spencer brandon edwards alex barry rogers easton 328 aztec king leechion 69 the lord corgi hamadagger bailey robertson mark schutz cypher primus kyle grimm rude days 93 kevin bacon bits danny villiobos jehudi md no fate Derek porter donovan williams matthew green and sean santa thanks to each and every one of you see you next week <laughs>